Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta, over there. Uh, across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. All of a sudden, there are 12 days till opening day. Yeah, just like that. days. It's almost like yesterday the lockout was happening. We didn't know there there was going to be one or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, and yeah, it's it was the the off season was it was so terrible and so good at the same time. Yep. <laughs> like like uh, we had an awesome like between you know third week of November to you know December first awesome just a lot of a lot of action the 99 days clearly of of nothing but frustration and then a couple more weeks of just great transactions yeah franchise changing (laughs) moves that are happening and then and then boom surprise you know you know after the lockout ends it's like oh we got baseball in four weeks it's almost like it's almost like during the lockout we just skipped that part of the off season yeah it honestly feels like december just went to mid-march yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, we we simulated. <laughs> yeah, but like we, like we didn't like those ninety nine days happened. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's like we didn't have to think about anything. It was just like, especially for the forty three days where the owners just refused to negotiate with the players. It was just like there was literally nothing happened. Yeah. For, like not for better, but still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What a weird off season. Um, but like. Man, there were some, there were some great, it's, yeah, it was, it's like, um, it's like, I don't know, uh, not to make a football reference, I know, I know we're baseball people, but it's like Kurt Warner's career in that, you know, he had a great beginning, won an MVP in a Super Bowl, then kind of just faded out with these random teams and then went back to, w- went to the Cardinals and went to the Super Bowl again, randomly, it, you know, I I'm trying to think of what the baseball example of that would the fir- be. The first person I can think of is Raul Ibanez. Yeah, <laughs> Raul Ibanez. Maybe um, that's not the actually that's not the best one. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Like maybe just, maybe Buster Posey. Yeah, maybe Buster Posey. Yeah, especially especially with his last season for sure. Yeah. Like rookie of the year, and then his third year MVP. Um, you know, it was decent, but kind of out of the, out of the picture, especially like he, he wasn't in the playoffs, which maybe, maybe with accolades, Barry Bonds, um, like he won a bunch of MVPs early in his career and then he won a bunch of late in his career. True. Like there was true. Just none sprinkled it in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're, I think we're getting, getting good with it. Yeah. With yeah. this, with this reference. We're, get, we're getting closer. We're getting closer here. Eventually, after the pod, let's be like, oh my God, there was that one. There was that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing coming to mind currently. No, me neither. Like who just had, cause if you, if you fade out in the middle of your career, you're, you're kind of done for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
teams won't give you a chance like that. Um, but anyway, uh, so there were some more deals that happened over the past week. Some actually happened before we released the episode, but not before we recorded the episode last week. Um, the biggest free agent out there signed and, um, you know, not, not how we expected him to sign at all. No. Carlos Correa goes to the twins on, uh, I don't know if it's a, it's a, th- it's a three year deal with opt outs after. Yeah. Every year. It, I don't know if it's technically like a one year deal with, pl- with player options or a three year deal with opt outs. Either way, it's going to be a one year deal. It's like, probably going to be a one year yeah. deal and he's getting paid $35.1 million mm-hmm. each year of this deal. I'd say unless something drastic happens, like knock on wood, he gets hurt, he underperforms. Maybe he'll stay in Minnesota and just take that extra 35 mil for another year. But I think what Correa is doing with this deal is uh, he's betting on himself to try again in free agency next year. Like I'm surprised that every team just didn't give him what he wanted, but he's going to try again. Right, right. Um, yeah, very true. And, you know, it. Yeah, it it makes me wonder like how teams are kind of evaluating Carlos Correa and I, like when he signed naturally I was like uh, you know maybe I'll look at some stats for the for the podcast and I'll be honest I th- I think it was a little underwhelming to me like because we've we've kind of hyped him up and he's a, he is a very good player yeah but um but I do understand not necessarily trying to give him three hundred fifty million dollars like if you look at um, it's funny because he's one of those guys where like his baseball reference war and his fan graphs war can tell a completely different story. Yeah, because like, defensive run saved. Yeah, exactly. So like last year he led all position players in B war, and then in F war I think he was like eighth. Uh, and you know he's had his injury troubles. Luckily for him, uh, the past two years he's he hasn't run into that. So you know that's good for him. But you know I think uh, what's what's his like lifetime OPS I mean even last year you know 850 OPS that's a solid offensive season mm-hmm. um it's a 134 weighted runs created plus which. yeah 134 weighted runs created plus but you know I, I get I get why maybe yeah. you're not sure on giving him that is 24th that is 24th in baseball yeah I, I, I get why maybe you're not sure giving him you know 350 million dollars or something like that and even with the defensive stuff you know, defensive run saved really likes him, but uh, since 2018, which is when he really started popping off defensively, or like I don't know if you, you if you use that term for defense, sure. If when he really started uh, mastering the craft at the at the, <laughs> at the <laughs> ARR refuses to be hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, mastering the craft of <laughs> the shortstop position, which was when 2018 he had 22 outs above average, which I'm assuming would lead the league. And then, so since then, even since then, he's only fifth and outs above average. So it's not like he's, and everyone ahead of him is shortstops. So, you know, it's not like he's a top three defensive shortstop. I, you know, I think he is extremely valuable, but I do understand why. Like, for example, the Red Sox got, you know, Trevor Story for $22 million a year-ish. Um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was 20, yeah, 23 mil. Uh, yeah, 120 or yeah, twenty. Yeah, I think twenty three point three mil. Twenty three point yeah. three mil per year, and you know, I was looking at Story and Correa, and I don't know. I think they're a little more similar than, you know, we. I think recency bias maybe had us separating them a little more than they should have been, and yeah, like uh, 
I understand why the Red Sox were more in on story than Correa, but nonetheless, Correa will probably be back on that uh, on that free agent market soon. And yeah. uh, I mean, from another from another side of it, uh, we also have to remember. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but like he is also a Scott Boris client, is he not? Um, let's take a look at the BRF page. I, I'm right on it. Never mind. No, he's not. The legacy agency. He's not. Weird. I, for some reason, thought he was a Boris client. Hmm. Maybe he hires Scott Boris now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like that has to be the move, right? <laughs> it's like how do I, how do I only get 105 million dollars from this? <laughs> I mean, he definitely had offers for more. Did you see that the Orioles were throwing in offers for him? Yeah. Yeah, that I mean they got cool. this. They got the space. <laughs> they they got more. Yeah, they got the space and then some. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but yeah, I think um, we should also be thinking about like because the the twins are kind of like seen as the uh, redheaded stepchild of this. Of like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like just a temporary home for them. But I I it especially with the expanded playoffs. Um, I know it's only one team per per uh, league, mm-hmm. but with the expanded playoffs and the fact that you know they're still only two years removed from being back to back division champions, um, I kind of I kind of like what I have to see with the with the Twins, especially offensively. You know, pitching wise, it's you know a weird thing, but mm-hmm. offensively, you know, I really really like that lineup, uh, especially now. Yeah, I mean, we were going through it uh, last episode when we were talking about them. Funny how we were talking about how homegrown their entire offense is, and they bring in one of the biggest free agents on the market. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and yeah, and they bring in, like, uh, <laughs> it's funny that they had Simmons last year and Correa this year, so it's like, <laughs> oh, you liked Andrew Elton Simmons? What if you gave what him like? What if he could hit? What if he could hit? What if he was thirty percent above average offensively <laughs> instead of fifty percent below average? Yeah, <laughs> that is wow. What an upgrade that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good, <coughs> good for them. Um, I cannot believe the Yankees did not get any of the free agent shortstops. It's it's. So I thought that was like I thought that was the biggest lock of the offseason. Was like, well, the right. Yankees will get one of them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe two. Yeah, even even heading into the lockout when we're like, oh, the Yankees haven't done anything, but you know, we know they're gonna get you know Correa or Story after <laughs> after the lockout ends, and no, I mean, I don't know, maybe next year, yeah. but still. And Brian Cashman was like, oh, you guys like Correa? How about <laughs> like, listen to this? We got his defense. Yeah, <laughs> Isaiah Connor Falefa, yeah. welcome to the team. Yeah, and he's he's probably faster. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is, and he's, he can play, and he can catch. Yeah, and he can catch. Like this is a true utility guy. We yeah. got. A shortstop and a catcher. Where are you gonna find that? Where are you gonna find that? Yeah. Uh, well, did you see? Um, did you see that exchange yesterday between Lindsey Adler and Keith Olbermann? Um. Oh no. I, so, if Keith Olbermann's involved. I. <laughs> I <laughs> so you know? Do you know who Lindsey Adler is? Um. She, the athletic yeah. uh, Yankees reporter. Correct. So she did a feature story about Isaiah Connor Falefa. Um. So the the headline on Twitter, her caption was. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is the only player in modern baseball history to play at least 50 games, 50 MLB games at shortstop and catcher on the Yankees' new shortstop's nonlinear path through the player development. Yeah, it's accurate. Um, and Keith Olbermann just has to chime in here. And what, what I'm trying to find this tweet. He goes, 
Like you, I, this sounds like something you would say, but not as condescending. <laughs> he goes, Mo Berg, who played until 1939, did it. Given there are people alive today who knew him and even saw him play, and he was a teammate of Ted Williams, the definition of modern baseball history is a little flawed here. So, first of all, <laughs> the literal lead of Lindsay's story is about him. He didn't play 50 games at each position. I think he played like 30 at one of them. Yeah. So... The reason, yeah, and Keith was, like, going off about how, yeah, literally, I'm not kidding, the very first paragraph, baseball's most well-known shortstop-catcher hybrid was Mo Berg. Yeah. It's the first <laughs> sentence. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's too funny. Yeah, and I believe he did not play 50 games at one of the two positions. All right, yeah, that's... So, you know, Keith did not uh, read the um, the article. Okay, yeah, and now I want to, now I'm curious as to... When Mo Berg's career spanned, Mo Berg, yeah, 1923 to 1939. I think, yeah, I think. I think people people sort of see the definition of the modern game differently. Like, also, ten, yeah, post integration. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Like, mound being a different height. Yeah. Like, I get that the modern era started in 1900, according to baseball yeah, reference. Yeah, but they start they but named the, it that in, like, 1907. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's not act like baseball was the same in 1900 as it is yes. in even 1939. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, that is such a weird, like, way of stating it. Yeah, it is very weird. It's like, oh, people, are al- <laughs> people were alive when he was playing, so, clearly, yeah. like, yeah, there's... There's a 99-year-old out there who uh, who, who was alive for his debut. <laughs> who definitely does not remember it, and probably, if you ask, could not explain any time they remember his playing days. Yeah. Um, how many pl- how many games did he play? Negative 4.6 B-War, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah kiner okay. Fluff has more than that. <laughs> so he did he did play at least 50 games at each position. However... It was so long it's ago. It's pre-integration, I think. Yeah, it's pre-integration. Like, that is so... Like, I'm not... And obvi- and not only that, but Lindsay literally mentions him as the very first player in the story. Oh, my God. And, yeah. Keith, had to, and Keith had to chime in there. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah, the uh, the king of condescension, Keith Olbermann, <laughs> <laughs> strikes again. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at this Twins projected lineup. Uh, so, yeah, leading off... Byron Buxton, love to see it. Hopefully, he plays more than sixty-one games. Uh, Luis Arias, who he's Mike. more of a—he's not really a, a guy who's going to get extra base hits, but he'll get but on he, base. He like, will get on base at like a three fifty clip or something like that. Carlos Correa, as we previously mentioned, Jorge Polanco, who was actually the clutch king last year, even though you, you know you wouldn't know it by the how the Twins performed, but yeah. WPA master uh, Miguel Sano, exit velocity king. Um, Max Kepler, German he's, king. He's German, yeah. <laughs> he's German. Yeah. Um, Had a bit of a down year last year, but still very good player. Still very good player. Like you know, you're 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 in a solid spot if he's in your six hole, which the mm-hmm. Twins have him at, well, are projected to have him at. And Gary Sanchez, you know, you know, he, people complain about him a lot, but he's a solid for a, for a catcher, very solid offensively. And then Alex Kirloff. You know, we Break know what's going to happen. Breakout king. We know we know what's going to happen with Alex yeah. Kirloff, and then Gio Urshela, who like he still a down year, had a bit still. of a down year, but I think was still above average offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a lineup you like to have. You know, I, I'm starting rotation. There's a full, lot to be desired. Breakout. There's a lot of X factors in that rotation for sure. 
yeah, the Sunny Gray edition, uh, I you know we both really like. Did you see that a foolish baseball put Bailey Ober on his pitchers he likes? No, I didn't. To be fair, his his name is Bailey. That's true. But yeah. but I mean, I mentioned Bailey Ober as my player to watch, and I got some support. Yeah, well, it kind of um, altered how I might think with um. So, so yeah, there one of the one of the pitchers he liked was someone I might have been looking at. Um, for this episode oh interesting me too yeah and i was like hmm you know maybe i'll stave off of this maybe i'll go a different direction okay maybe maybe i maybe we're thinking about the same guy and i also used this person yeah (laughs) there we go there we go disclaimer i i made my picks months ago so right i did not see his video and be like yeah i'm gonna talk about that guy right yeah yeah we were full of original thought here at above replacement radio Mm -hmm. um all right uh anything more on the Correa deal? No, I mean, I think the the biggest takeaway was that, like... Well, first of all, I think the craziest thing is, like, the fact that the Twins ended up with him. Like, no one was predicting that at all. No one was reporting that. The Twins were close. It just happened. Yeah. Uh, also, it happened at, like, 2 in the morning. Yeah. Like, I woke up at, like, 7 that... Like, the next day, I was like, am I dreaming? Like, am I... Like, I was still in that half-asleep mode when you first wake up, and I was like, I'm not seeing Correa to the Twins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, any team could have gotten him, like, legitimately. Like, any team that just desperately needs a shortstop and wants to win this year, they could have used him as a stopgap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm no looking doubt. At, like, I'm looking at the Yankees particularly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and, yeah, with the Yankees, I was looking at <clears> – because, <throat> you know, they've been kind of talking about, like, their luxury tax stuff. And I was, like, looking, like, when are some contracts ending – soon and i don't know there's really not much i mean like you know aaron judge is going to be a free agent free agent next year but they have to <laughs> they have to resign him yeah and then you know you have cole and stanton around basically forever um you know cole you know that's good money to spend stanton you know maybe you wish he didn't make that deal so you could make you know better deals along the way but yeah like uh i'm, I'm wondering when the yankees are going to feel like they can go out and get another free agents big free agent signing mm-hmm. i mean i guess like they have another chance at korea next year most likely yeah i mean maybe we are holding them to a bit of a high standard like they, they didn't sign anyone for i think over a hundred million last year but they signed lemayhew for 90 million and that doesn't look good right now yeah that doesn't look good right now and then uh you know two off seasons ago they obviously signed garrett cole for yeah. 324 million which was quite the deal mm-hmm. um and you know he's he's kind of living up to it right now, uh, but yeah. So Carlos Correa to the Twins. We'll see how long that goes. It'll be weird if yeah if the Twins just absolutely stink and <laughs> he gets traded at the deadline. That would be hilarious. How also how wild is it that we're living in a world where the Twins use the Yankees for a salary dump so that they could sign Carlos Correa? Oh yeah, <laughs> we how forgot to mention that. How wild is that? The Josh Donaldson trade, the Yankees took all of that contract, which Josh Donaldson's still a very good player. Like, he's going to be, like, he's he fits right into that Yankee lineup. No doubt about it. But the fact that the Twins just used the Yankees for a salary dump so they could get the player that the Yankees wanted. Yeah, it's is really. Just a wild concept. Yeah, it's really just a, a big brother, big brother moment there. Yeah, it's like the ultimate, like, switching of the. the Switching of the. Baton, the tides. 
the tides, tides have turned. The, the tides have turned. How the turntables. Yes. Um, yeah, because Donaldson's getting paid, I think. 50 he, million over two years. Yeah, 50 million over two years. Yeah. Quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, what did the Yankees drop with Sanchez and Urshela? Maybe 12 million? I don't mm. know. With Sanchez and yeah, probably somewhere around that. Probably yeah, I, I would have to imagine. So maybe like yeah, twelve million. Kind of Falefas. I mean, he does, he does have four years of service time, so he is arb eligible. Yeah. Uh, let me see. So Donaldson uh, is getting paid twenty three twenty five million in AAV, uh, twenty five seven fifty, and then kind of is making four point seven million right now. So that's about thirty million dollars the Yankees are taking on this year alone. The Twins, on the other hand, are paying uh, Gary Sanchez nine million and Gio Urshela six and a half million. Okay, so, so under underestimated. Yeah, so the Twins are saving about fifteen million dollars per year yep. in this deal, and uh, that saves up a lot of money to get Correa. Yep, very interesting. <clears throat> very very interesting. Yeah, but um, but yeah, very. Yeah, an extremely surprising moment uh, in the in the in the off season. Nothing, nothing anyone predicted um, in terms of what Correa's deal would be and who it would be with. Yes, um, for sure. But a guy who had a more predictable outcome was uh, Trevor Story, mm-hmm. who signed for six years, one hundred forty million dollars. With the Boston Red Sox, our favorite team, um, and uh, and yeah, so it, apparently he's going to be going to second base, um, and you know it's it's been discussed like a good amount that you know Xander Bogarts uh, has an opt out after 2022, and you know it's not a guarantee of having him, and you know you don't know if Heim Bloom is going to be is going to be trying to dish out money to him, you know, the, you know, uh, more long-term because Heim Bloom, you know, he'll spend his money, you know, clearly with the story deal, he'll spend his money where he'll spend his money, but he's very economical. Um, so yeah, we'll see about that. I'm trying to see what Bogarts will have left on his deal. Um, after yeah. 2022, uh, he will have. I'm looking at it right now. After 2022, he will have uh, four years. Well, three years, 60 mil with a vesting option for 2026. So that's 20 20 million dollars a year. And uh, he'll be yeah. He'll be heading into his age 30 season. Yeah, so he can probably get more than 20 mil. And he can. Well, he can. And he'll definitely be able to get more than 60 mil as an overall yes arching deal. Yeah, and he and he's a Boris guy. Yeah, for yeah. for sure, for real this time. He's actually a Boris guy. Yeah, so he he's a hundred. Like assuming he, assuming nothing like drastic happens this year, he's opting out of that deal, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, and he's he's a guy where it's it's kind of hard to evaluate him because yeah, like he had four point like his f like Fangraphs really really likes his defense. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why like. You know, just looking at him. Story or Bogarts? Uh, Bogarts. Really? I thought he had negative five uh, defensive runs saved short last year. Um, I, I feel like that's independent from, like, fan graphs and baseball reference. I feel like that's just, hmm. that's, you know. What stats are you looking at then? Uh, defensive runs above average. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, Xander, Bogarts, Fangraphs. Um, yeah, last year, 7.7 defensive runs above average. Yeah, he hasn't... The only time he had negative defensive runs above average was 2014. Wow. Um, so that it's weird, because, yeah, like... Because also when I was, like, looking up stats and seeing, like, F4 leaderboards in the past three, four years, Xander Bogarts was, like, top six or seven, which was weird to me because <laughs> I don't I don't consider him like that I'm a Red Sox fan I don't consider him like that um but speaking of those rankings uh, some Trevor Story stats for those who don't know exactly his impact over the past few years since the start of 2018 he ranks 11th in F4 and 7th in BSR BSR is a uh, a base running statistic that kind of measures your value on the bases. doesn't measure just like your stolen bases or, like, how many times you get caught stealing. Haven't the Red Sox been, like, terrible on the bases in the last few years as well? Um, like, even in 2018, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, they, they were. were. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I think, was Christian Vasquez, did he end up being their stolen bases leader last year? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So The Red Sox were 21st in the league in BSR last year. Right. And over the last, like, few years, it's Which been is weird, because they had, like, bad. they had a solid offense. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Trevor Story, seventh in all of baseball in BSR in the last four years. Um, yeah, it's a base running statistic where it you know, you know measures are valued, not just stolen bases, not just caught stealing, but you know taking an extra base on mm-hmm. a single, you know scoring from home on a double, or no scoring from second on a single, and you know blah blah, blah scoring from uh, first on a double, things like that. Fun, fun stuff. Uh, so he's top ten in that, and also fun little. Um, I don't know if it's a how about that, but since the start of 2018, he's the only player with 100 plus home runs, 80 plus stolen bases, and five plus D WAR. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So you know he, he gives you he gives you the power, he gives you the base running, and he gives you the defense for sure. Um, although Statcast had him weird last year but baseball reference and fan graphs didn't so i feel like that kind of cancels out <laughs> um but yeah it's yeah defense defensive evaluation can be very weird but anyway what were your thoughts on the deal uh, i think it was a deal that needed to be made for the red Sox. like i was very confused by the deal where they traded hunter renfro for jackie bradley jr exactly yeah still <laughs> like, are yeah, like, Jackie is, you know, obviously he's a former player in the organization. He won a World Series. He was an ALCS MVP. So there's no doubt that he had a strong impact during his time in Boston beforehand. But, you know, he's struggled offensively throughout the last few years. Um, he's great at defense, but they traded Hunter Renfro, who was great at offense. Not the best at fielding, but had a very good arm. Just, yeah. like, equal to Jackie's, if not better. And he's cheaper. Yeah. So that deal was kind of weird and i figured the only the only answer to the to that deal was like this has to mean like we're getting some sort of replacement and story was the answer so uh he was probably the last big free agent that was out there the red sox really needed to get him or else the offseason would have just looked really bad on heim bloom and the rest of the organization so it was important that they got this deal done and i think that overall with value it's going to be a strong deal for them oh yeah for sure because you know Story. If you if you just look at Story's um, numbers from last year, it might be a little underwhelming. But that mm-hmm. was not representative of what he could do. He got babbipped, I believe. 
that and like the you know the Rockies were in a bad spot <laughs> like he he even said at the, the at the trade deadline he was like I'm I don't know why I'm here yeah <laughs> like why didn't they trade why didn't they trade me by the way Rockies I think now with the new CBA they don't get anything from the story yep. yeah which is awesome we don't even have to give up a draft pick well they didn't even give him the qualifying offer anyway or no they did they did yeah they gave him the <laughs> they were smart enough to do that yeah but yeah just uh Man, the Rockies really, really screwed up there. What was his? I wonder what his stats were after the deadline. Um, oh, he had an eight ninety nine OPS. Yeah, it it was weird. Yeah, that was when the Rockies' offense just absolutely popped off for whatever yeah. reason. Well, yeah, the Rock from May first on, the Rockies had a better record than the Padres. Yeah, yeah, which is probably the funniest stat of all of last season. It's yeah, it's hilarious. Like that's eighty percent of the season in which a team that was projected to have 100 losses had a better record than a team that was projected to have 100 wins. Yeah. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. Um, but with the with the story deal, also what you have to like about it is it it sets up a lot of security for the Red Sox because mm-hmm. um, you have now two shortstops on the team. Xander Bogarts may be out after 2022. You know, I feel like the way Bloom operates, you know, he hasn't had – too many long-standing relationships with these players like mm-hmm. he hasn't drafted them hasn't signed them he came in uh after 2019 so he's not gonna be as heartbroken to let xander bogarts go and he knows story you know is at the same level or a higher level than xander bogarts uh so you know i think he'll have no problem letting him go mm-hmm. if if that's the case if they keep both around you know, that's I, awesome. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. But and then uh, and then yeah, after 2022, if Xander Bogarts goes, you know, you'll have Trevor Story, and then you know, I think, you know, not to go too far into the future, but 2024, you'll have Marcelo Meyer maybe knocking at the door. You know, mm-hmm. maybe playing a little bit of second too, and maintaining the quality of the middle infield for the Boston Red Sox. That's right. So you know, fun stuff. Yeah, I really like the deal because. I feel like story, if if you line up story in Correa since like 2019, 2018, it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. And, and story was a lot cheaper just because of how each of them did last year. Yes. Um, I think another thing to note is, I mean, I, I'm very interested to see if and when they make the change where they put story at short and Bogarts at second. Because Bogarts has said he's open to playing second but prefers to stay at short. Yeah, I don't blame him. He's played short his entire career, and he's, I think, the longest. Is he the longest tenured player on the team? Um, it would be. I mean, he was the only guy on the twenty thirteen team. Only, only guy on the twenty thirteen team. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's the longest tenured player on the team. Because Jackie like left for a year, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that would. I don't think that count. counts. Yeah. Even though he was on the twenty thirteen opening day roster. <laughs> yes. That was funny. Um. Anyway, are you gonna? say something more just that just it's going to be interesting to see if and when they make that change yeah it will be interesting uh yeah last so so uh out of average had story at negative seven last year which was surprising to me but i don't yeah it might just be a blip in the whatever but uh like xander bogarts has been in the negatives all years except for 2017 when he had two outs above average you know he's he's not the worst but he's not you know he's not above average whatsoever and as a defensive shortstop 
and it might might help them might help the team to go uh, to go to second as we've discussed like you know the Red Sox had the worst general outs above average and infield outs above average yes. last year and uh, it, it kind of hurt them because there were a couple pitchers that had a significant difference in like ERA and expected ERA and also ERA and FIP uh, most notably like Eduardo Rodriguez and also also Nathan Eovaldi. Yep. I think Avaldi had the highest BABIP among qualified pitchers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, Rodriguez was not qualified. He had, mm-hmm. like, 157 innings or something like that. Um, so, yeah, so it kind of solves that issue. Um, you know, the bad infield defense, maybe not, like, completely solves it, but makes it makes it significantly better. Um, and, yeah, he provides on the offensive side. I, I don't think, you know – OPS plus and weighted runs created plus wise is probably going to be similar, but obviously the non-park adjusted statistics might take a little bit of a dive. But yep. it's not, you know, it's not we'll going to be it as out. it's not going to be as big to worry about. Not with that, but like, I think like if he was going to leave Colorado, I think he did leave for a, like a good ballpark still. Like a lot of his, I think uh, on MLB Network they did like a spray chart to see how many of his home runs in. Uh, cores would have been home runs at Fenway. I think there was one that was taken away because it was like a line drive home run. But there was also just a lot of fly balls that died on the warning track at cores that would have been over the monster. Yeah, right, right. And like, and like, even with the altitude, you know, there's still like the Coors Field has very deep, a very deep outfield because they know about that yes. altitude. So it might not affect home run totals as much as you may predict. But extra base hits. Yeah. Like, that's what you're looking at. Because, like, any line drive that goes 300 feet is probably a double at Fenway. That might be a fly out in cores. Any long fly ball that dies at the warning track at cores, off the monster, maybe even over it, or in the seats. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, any more thoughts on the Trevor Story deal? Nope. Um. One thing I forgot to mention on our walk over here, uh, Nick Castellanos, it, that yeah. th- that deal wasn't uh, completely done when we last recorded, but it kind of happened that day. Five years, $100 million to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Um, that's a... Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting <laughs> interesting team for sure. Like, that's it's gonna be. I'm I'm just excited. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Like, let's just let's do it. Yeah. Let's just let's just hit some. Let's just get get some extra base hits. We're gonna have. <laughs> we're gonna, like every yeah everyone everyone's ERA is gonna be a full run above their FIP. <laughs> like yeah we're gonna have yeah our they team. just want Aaron Nola to die. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna have. Yeah, negative. Uh, yeah, they're gonna have like negative a hundred outs above average, <laughs> but you know, a team eight twenty OPS. I've never seen a team more thankful for the universal DH. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Like it's like you're telling me we don't have to put both Schwarber and <laughs> Castellanos in the outfield. Oh my one god. One of them just has to hit. You'd have to put. Yeah, you'd have to put Harper in center field if you if you <laughs> if you didn't have the DH. <laughs> Uh, yeah, quite the, uh, quite the team structure. I should go to the, uh, projected lineup here. It's, dude, it's fun. It's, it's just, yeah, like, it's, it's... Like, as an outsider, I'm so excited for this team. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to expect from them. I'm definitely not expecting them to win their division, necessarily. But right. you know what? Like, 
let's just have some fun with this team, right? Yeah. Like, all right. So leading off, you got Schwarber in the DH role, uh, batting second, Nick Castellanos at left field, uh, batting third, Bryce Harper defending MVP, uh, batting cleanup, JT Realmuto, you know, probably best catcher in baseball, batting uh, fifth, Reese Hoskins, sixth, Gene Segura, uh, seventh, D.D. Gregorius, third or, or eighth at third base, Alec Bohm, and then uh, ninth, Matt Vierling. Hey, don't don't sleep on Matt Vierling, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, if you look at it, 2021, he played 34 games, had 77 played appearances, uh, 324, 364, 479, 843, 126 OPS+. Nice, so, nice. So uh, don't sleep on him. It is funny, uh, like, uh, seeing names of – because I – in uh, MLB the show, I'm, I do road to the show, and I'm like I'm in like 2030 right now because I've been, you know, playing it for a while, and yeah, you, you've run into like, yeah, my my guys on the Mets now, and I've been facing Matt Vierling a lot because yep. <laughs> he like you know he came up and in 2026, yeah, <laughs> dude, I did a franchise with the with Cleveland in like MLB the show 2016, and I think Bobby Bradley was like the 2020 AL MVP. <laughs> Hence why he was my player to watch on the, on Cleveland in 2021. As soon as I saw he was actually coming up. Oh yeah! If you think Wander Fran- Wander Franco is good now, wait till he wins 2028 AL MVP yeah. for the Blue Jays for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why would the Rays ever trade him so early? <laughs> it is very fun seeing just all the random stuff that happens in MLB yeah. the Show. Like Chris Bryant to the Rockies feels like MLB the Show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I just had a duel with Shohei Otani on the Cubs. It's weird. <laughs> I, I did a I did a road to the show once. Or no, I did, a, yeah, I did a franchise once where uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. was on the Pirates. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the, cr- it was in free agency, too. Uh, yeah, that's one, that's one where you're like... Like uh, the time traveler joke, where like you, yeah. where you like move a chair, and then <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, the pirates, the pirates have a two hundred fifty million dollar payroll. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, that's what they do. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to yeah, Nick Castellanos, dude. I had this crazy. I went at this crazy franchise right in MLB The Show fifteen. Somehow Tony Larusa was the manager of the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> no idea how that happened. <laughs> After being inducted into the Hall of Fame <laughs> yeah. and being out of baseball for like what a decade, nine, yeah, nine, ten years, <laughs> he is managing this really young team, young developing team. Yeah, it's weird. It's just it <laughs> the craziest stuff happens in MLB the Show for yeah. sure. Uh, like obviously, none of it would happen in real life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, come back and watch this episode in six years when Ronald Acuna Jr.'s deal ends and he's on the Pirates. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nick Castellanos, five years, a hundred million dollars. Um, a fun, a fun little bit about him. He uh, leads the league in doubles since 2017. Yeah, fun. I'm kind of upset that Castellanos did not sign like a nine-year deal with the Royals. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you if you don't know the meme, you know what are you doing? You, you got to know the meme. He's had two very significant home runs in that ballpark. I mean, like, here's the thing. If you're the Royals broadcast and the team signs Nick Castellanos, you know what to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you got to start hiring random interns that are okay with having their reputation just ruined 
having them saying just horrible things and then apologizing when yeah. Castellanos comes up to bat. Exactly. You just give him, like, pension yeah. and <laughs> have them say terrible things on the air. Yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah, like, you every morning you have to, like, re, or, yeah, every game you have to, like, go to, like, the obituary <laughs> Uh, from like the local paper anytime like a big royal it's like anytime a big royals fan dies it's like submit your obituary to yeah. be read during the broad during a castellanos yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, uh, his, well that's what we could have had that's what they took from us yes exactly dang, dang royals you know oh oh my god that's james, <laughs> james i saw him walk by i was kind of upset he didn't say hi i didn't recognize him with the facial hair no i i had badminton within the semester bro <laughs> Yeah, I, honestly, yeah, the hat and the facial hair threw him <laughs> off. Shout out to James Lawless, formerly of uh, uh, Second Floor Mass. Absolutely. Uh, years. Uh, a fever dream. Aca- academic, academic year 2019 to 2020. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the Phillies are pretty fun. Um, yeah, you know, they they might you know they went 82 and 80 last year maybe they'll be 83 and 79 this year who knows i actually like i can't hate on their starting rotation as much as usual no this year i like it depends it, it kind of depends for me on like what direction kyle gibson will go also like, ranger suarez what yeah like there's no way that happens again right yeah <laughs> yeah one what do you have a, like a 108 era yeah what the heck in 100 innings pitched yeah, that won't happen again, but if he can keep his ERA, like, below three, that's, like, that's, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be good. He had a 1-3-6 ERA at 106 innings pitched. Yeah. <laughs> like, it made, let, let me look at his, like, numbers of the runners in scoring position. His FIP was two seven two, which is still very good. Like, you can't just expect someone to actually have a one three six FIP. Unless yeah. Unless you're Corbin Burns. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, uh... Yeah. But yeah, a FIP under two seven or a FIP at two seven two makes you think mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's he'll he'll be a quality, yeah, he'll be a quality um, guy. Did you see Bill James put him in his top ten starting pitchers right now? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a little ambitious, but <laughs> yeah. oh, hold on, I gotta find his list. We'll keep going, but Bill James, like, very weird way to live his life. Whereas he spent his entire life questioning like an, on a hundred year old system of how to evaluate baseball players and everyone told him he was wrong for so long and then over the last like 10 years people were like you know what no this guy knows what he's talking about and now he's just starting to say the craziest things <laughs> like he doesn't learn nothing oh uh, man that's too well, good i need to find his his top 10 starting pitchers right now it was it was an absolute wild ride that's funny <laughs> yeah um. okay number one max serger Number two, Corbin Burns. Number three, Max Freed. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, Walker Bueller. Number five, Jacob DeGrom. Okay. Number six, Robbie Ray. Number seven, Garrett Cole. Number eight, Julio Urias. Number nine, Zach Wheeler. Number ten, Ranger Suarez. Yeah. DeGrom number five is... Uh... Freed over DeGrom. Yeah. <laughs> and Cole. <laughs> and Wheeler. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> Woodruff not even in the top ten. DeGrom had to get Cy Young votes last year, right? I would hope so. Like he, that'd be brutal if he didn't. Um, you know, even though he only he was ninety two innings, yeah, yeah, he finished ninth in the Cy Young appropriately. Um, yeah, that's good. But yeah, 
having him at number five. <laughs> yep. That's that's funny. Um but anyway, yeah. Uh yeah, Castellanos he's you know, a, expect I would expect a uh, good offense from the Phillies. I should look at what their team OPS was last year and then like that's only gonna improve with the signings of Schwarber and uh Castellanos, I would assume. Yeah. That team's gonna rake. They're just gonna not play defense. Oh, that's weird. They had a ninety five team OPS plus last year. I mean, yeah, when you look at some of the lineups that rolled out later in this like in mid season, like Alec Baum was hitting fourth, I think, in some games. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because, like, yeah, Real Muto, yeah, 110 OPS plus, which I guess it's a little under what he usually does, but still, like, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Reese Hoskins, 129 OPS plus. Uh, McCutcheon, 109. But yeah, Gregorius, Bohm, kind of. Oh, Dubal Herrera was in the lineup regularly yeah, last year. They kind of underperformed, but yeah, Harper, you know, had an MVP season. Yeah, that did. surprises me. Um, So, yeah, we'll see how that lineup uh, will be. In 2022, uh, the last signing we'll get into before our previews, um, more of an end of the era, end of an era news thing. Yeah. Kenley Jansen uh, signs with the Braves for a year, 16 mil with a with a uh, 2023 option for I think 16 million more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, it, it surprised me. I always felt like the Dodgers were just going to hold on to him for a while, especially like, you know, he had a good season last year too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, now, now it's just over kind of unceremoniously. Yeah. Very shocking that he didn't just automatically go back to the Dodgers. What was the, what was his deal? I think it was one year, 16 million with an, with a 2023 option for 16 wow. million. I mean, I get the Dodgers have are spending a lot of money, but I'm surprised they didn't go over that. Uh, Atlanta's got a very strong bullpen right now. Yeah, I they have I, a really strong bullpen. Like the 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 Braves, like even like they replaced Freeman greatly, and they're getting back Acuna this year. They're getting back, or I don't know if they'll get back Soroka. Like they might He's, get back Soroka. If they do, it'll probably be like mid to late season. I hope they do. Yeah, but you know, also, um, was there was there another um, guy they're getting back in the rotation? Probably not. But um, Huskar Yanoa, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think I was thinking more Morton. Well, yeah, they are getting Morton back. They're getting Morton back, but like uh, yeah, he was already going to be back. He he's already going to be back. Um, I love when a team wins a World Series and then just like doesn't stay stagnant. They don't try to just bring all the guys back. Like they didn't bring back Jorge Soler. Not that that's necessarily a, a good thing. Like, but I like I'm kind of surprised they didn't. But it's like they're not clinging on to that. Like they're not just clinging on to what they had automatically. Yeah, and they because like a lot of teams will do that, and like it'll it'll backfire. Like the Red Sox re-signing Steve Pierce. Like, yeah, it made sense at the time. Wasn't the best idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not great, not great at all. Uh, but yeah, they. They did bring back Eddie Rosario, which mm-hmm. was a good, which was a solid deal. But yeah, they didn't bring back uh, Peterson. They didn't bring back Peterson. They didn't bring back Solaire. Because they, um, you know, they know they have Acuna coming back. Yeah, and they um, have Ozuna coming back. Yeah, and Ozuna coming back. Uh, so you know that'll fill out the outfield. Although, yeah, I guess Ozuna will be in the DH role. 
Um, he probably should be. They have him in. They have him as a left fielder, and they have Alex Dickerson as DH because they don't have Acuna back in the lineup immediately. Um, I don't true. Think he's, he's probably not coming back until like, what's his? Uh, let me see what they, what the injury report is according to Fangraphs for. I would Atlanta. guess he's on the, what fifteen? I think it's fifteen day. day it's said yeah. It says uh, expected back in early May, so that's good. Um, oh, they also got Alex Dickerson, which I yes. didn't realize. I said they have him as DH. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my bad. That's all um, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, that that uh, yeah, that bullpen, as you mentioned, yeah. As we're looking at the uh, oh, I, I didn't even, I didn't even see they got Colin McHugh either. <laughs> dude, dude, he got like a four million dollar deal. That's crazy. Like I don't know how the Braves keep doing this, where they just get extremely team friendly contracts for really good players. For yeah, for for a guy who like has never been on the Braves either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my God. Yeah, yeah, dude, he got a one-year, four-million-dollar deal, and he's like arguably a top like twenty reliever in baseball. Yeah, maybe we'll get him into him uh, more next year, but or, or next uh, episode when we preview the Braves. But like Colin McHugh, like last year, yeah, one five five ERA, two one two FIP, ten point four strikeouts per nine, one point seven walks per nine. You know, only three home runs allowed and 64 innings pitched. That's $4 million. $4 million, yeah. Like, uh, I know, and yeah, like, I guess, yeah, last year, like, you know, 2019, it wasn't great. Why didn't the Phillies get him? Like, if they're so, like, the Phillies will spend money and they'll get just any reliever that moves. Yeah. How did they not get Colin McHugh? Same with the Angels. Like, how did it go to, how did McHugh go to a team that already has a good bullpen for that price? Yeah, I'm assuming, like, what's Corey Knable's contract? <laughs> contract. Um, the Phillies got Brad Hand. Yeah, the the Knable signed for two and a half times more than McHugh signed for. And McHugh is probably twice as good. Yes. If not more. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that is weird. That is very, very weird. Um... Angels just got any reliever they can. I mean, they got Rysel Iglesias, which they needed to, but, like, Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, Archie Bradley. They yeah, just yeah, added yeah. a bunch of random guys. Yeah, yeah, they they did very Angels yeah, things. Like, how did they not get Colin McHugh for that price if they could have? Right, exactly. That would have actually, like, that would have been the, like, outside of Iglesias, that would have been the best bullpen piece that they that they had. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the top here. Jansen, Will Smith, Colin McHugh, Tyler Matzik. Hey, Jay like, Minter. They probably won't even have to get... And they have I mean, Kirby Yates coming back at some point, too. Right, yeah. Like, they probably will, but they probably won't have to get bullpen help at the trade deadline. Yeah. Like, that's a very good position you're putting yourself in for a, another potential World Series run. Mm-hmm. You gotta love to see it from a Atlanta angle. Uh, Ken, sure. uh, from a Kenley Jansen standpoint, like... We're not gonna be able to do it until he retires fully, but like, he's a top. He, I think he could probably be like a top three reliever of all time when it's all said and done. Potentially, yeah. Like when you look at his numbers, I think he is. Uh, he is over a strikeout more strikeouts per nine career than Billy Wagner. Right. Right. Uh, only he's he's you know down two hundred innings. Like if he goes until he's like in his late thirties, like. He's he's a Hall of Famer without a doubt. Yeah, 350 saves, you know, career saves. Um, a 2.37 
career ERA and FIP for his uh, career. Um, you know, had uh, I think it should look at his postseason numbers. Two one three career postseason ERA. Uh, even better, even better than his regular season ERA. Mm-hmm. I know he hasn't been as great recently, but you know, two one three lifetime postseason ERA along with a a five point one strikeout to right strikeout to walk ratio there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, a great reliever for sure. Yes, no doubt about it. Um, just maybe, yeah, maybe not as many innings. <laughs> um, but yeah, like. Uh, and if you want to look at his peak peak 2013 to 2017 uh over a five year stretch he had 331 30, 331 in a third innings pitch a 201 ERA and a 174 FIP yeah he was excellent uh eight strikeouts for every walk uh pretty unbelievable and yeah 39 saves per year in that five year span so yeah, he's kind of he's out of that stretch. It's kind of similar to uh, Clayton Kershaw's career path. Like he had his peak. He's past. Like he's very clearly past his peak, but he's still very very good. Yeah. Um. And the Braves are should be very happy to have him. And you know, I'm guessing they probably are, as they gave him sixteen million dollars for this year. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, kind of a weird thing that yeah, done with the done with the Dodgers. Will not be will not be a Dodger for life, but no. uh, I guess the other angle of it is Dodgers are pretty confident in what they got with uh, Blake Trinan. I'm guessing that's who they're going to have him. Yeah. That's who they're going to have close games. It's still out for a very them. good, yeah, closing situation. Um, Blake Trinan last year had a 1.99 ERA and a 2.88 FIP, uh, 10.6 strikeouts per nine to 3.1 walks per nine and 0.6 home runs per nine uh yeah two, 206 era plus you know he was 100 per six 106 percent above average um so yeah like and he's had closing experience before with the 2018 a's where he did a, a phenomenal job and uh will probably be in a similar situation then so good for you know it, both teams are kind of coming away from it in a in a good situation. Absolutely. Uh definitely the Dodgers. Dodgers are <laughs> yeah. They'll be they'll be just fine. Um anything more on the deal? No, I think that's about it. I think I'm ready to get into some previews. There we go. All right. So <clears throat> as the microphone gets back near my face. Uh all right. So last week you can check out we previewed the AL Central and NL Central, what we do is, you know, we kind of, we review, we don't go too in-depth, but we review, like, where they finished last year, or, you know, where each team finished last year, who they lost, who they added, and, uh, you know, dive into one specific player we want you to watch and, you know, keep an eye out for this year because, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll really improve or maybe they're a little underrated right now and should be getting more shine. And then uh, at the end of it all, we'll ask a question about the specific team. Sometimes it's it's pretty arbitrary, you know. Sometimes it's just kind of funny to ask. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the situation of our uh, of our previews. And yeah, we are starting with the American League West, um, and we go from bottom to top. So we will start with the Rangers, 
who uh, last year went 60-102, and 102, finished last in the AL West, but they were first in the American League in attendance, if you remember. <laughs> Funny situation. It'll always be one of my favorite just random stats. Um, Without context, it's so confusing. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, when you're telling that to your kids who'd forget why why exactly that was yeah <laughs> it's uh it's too funny too funny for sure but that was uh those are the facts um they lost uh isaiah counter falefa charlie culberson jordan lyles mike fulton evich brock holt uh outside of counter falefa no one too big and they, they gonna, what are they gonna do without jordan lyles yeah <laughs> and they added Corey seager Marcus Simeon, John Gray, Mitch Garver, Brad Miller, Martin Perez, Jake Marisnik, and Brandon Workman. And Cole Calhoun. And, uh, yeah, Cole Calhoun. I guess I didn't – I forgot to add there. And Cole Calhoun. Um, what are What is your player to watch with so, the Texas Rangers? So uh, the story with this team is that they added a lot, and there's just a completely new identity to this team. Uh, and I'm looking from – I'm looking at some of their – uh, options from within to really I, like run with this new identity and take advice from the newer guys. Someone like Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, Lowe was one of the better offensive players on the Rangers in the full season last year. He's coming off of a season with a 357 on base percentage and subsequently a 90 percentile walk rate. So this guy walks a lot as a first baseman. You know He already has a lot of talents uh, on offense. He did strike out a lot last year, but from August to September of 2021, his strikeout rate went from 28.2% in August to 19.5% in September. So he wow. ended off on a very good note. Uh, also in September, Lowe was one of 15 qualifying hitters with a 0.75 K to walk ratio as a hitter and a 130 weighted runs created plus. It was he and 14 others. One of those 14 others was Corey Seager, who is his new teammate, someone who, can, who we can take a lot of advice from. Uh, I think having that other presence in the lineup is going to improve him a lot and he's already got a lot of potential so nate Lowe uh is definitely a breakout candidate for me along with the other just great bats that the rangers line added this offseason right right yeah nate Lowe. um yeah he's a younger yeah mid-20s guy Mm -hmm. has a good amount of potential um with the rangers i didn't really know what direction to go so i went more a little more high profile i guess than we usually do um, and talked about one of their new additions, John Gray, who um, I, I think I kind of dismissed him earlier in the off season. But when I look deeper into it, like you know, he's got a he's he's a guy where yeah, maybe a, a change of atmosphere might help him out a little bit. Uh, John Gray in his career has nine point two strikeouts per nine, three point zero walks per nine, and a three point nine one FIP, which uh, is which has a it's a very big difference from his ERA which I believe is in the 4 fives. Um but last year despite his 4.59 ERA he had a 3.95 expected ERA also had a 49.2% ground ball rate and uh a fun little narrative ball I got for him. Uh since 2016 he has 5 seasons with 110 plus innings pitched, 9 plus strikeouts per 9 and 3.5 walks per nine or fewer. The only other pitcher with five such seasons in this time frame is Max Scherzer. Wow. Um, so he's a guy where, um, you know, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. You know, he doesn't walk like, uh, you know, 
he he doesn't walk you know Greg Maddox level low, but he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He he's above average in walk rate, in term you know on in a good way, and uh, you know definitely above average in strikeout rate. You know nine you know gets over a strikeout printing um, more often than not, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah so he he's a guy where I think maybe in a more pitcher uh, oriented park. Um, he might, you know, you might see the better side of him than you did in, uh, in Colorado. And he still had some good seasons in Colorado, despite the, uh, the Coors atmosphere. So now we'll get into questions. Real quick, just a note on John Gray. Mike Petriello had an article this offseason when he was a free agent that um, his third time through the, num- through the lineup numbers are, like, significantly worse in Coors than they were outside of cores hmm. like he like there wasn't really a particular difference between like him at cores and him on the road but third time through the order like that gets apparent and the rangers are going to need guys that can eat up a lot of innings this year yeah um so that's definitely a very encouraging uh note on him as well yeah yeah that is uh that's good to note um so now that you mentioned that my question is uh which will be more productive the rangers rotation or the rangers bullpen rangers rotation or rangers bullpen um See, so, yeah, in that rotation, you got what Gray and Dane Dunning. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to know their FanGraphs projected lineup? Uh, are you or rotation? Rot- rotation, yeah. yeah. It's uh, Martin Perez number two. Okay. Um, Dane Dunning number three, Taylor Hur number four, AJ Alexi number five. Um. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's still not. It's still a Rangers rotation. I'm going to say bullpen. Okay. Um, even though I don't really know much of their bullpen. But they got reliever Garrett Richards. Yeah. That's so, good. Yeah. I mean, that's a... They actually do have some, like, a under the radar the, names. That's a Fireman of the Year award winner for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a swift reminder of <laughs> what their pitching situation looks like. Yeah. Um, my question is about the uh about the stars that they acquired um very basic question who will have more wins above replacement in 2022 Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon now this is a trick question because I think a lot of people just see Seager as the better player he got the higher contract he's a better name he played in LA versus the guy who played in uh, Oakland and Toronto uh, I'm gonna go wait are we talking B war or F war um we'll we'll go um We'll go F4. Okay. I'm going to say Simeon for all-around reasons. Uh, I think he was one of the top players in F4 last year in general, and I think he was one of the top ones in 2019 as well. Each of his yeah. last two two full seasons, uh, he's been one of the best players in baseball as it pertains to F4. Um, I think he leads all players in F4 since the start of 2019. Really? Even with his 2020? Yeah, because, I mean, you know, it was just... It, it was, was just 60 games. 60 games. There was not that much of a gap. Let me see. Where does he rank? Um, he does. Would you look at that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even like that far of a margin, or it's a pretty big margin. Fifteen point four. Juan Soto's in second with fourteen flat. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fangraphs. Yeah, does really like his defense, so mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. So yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Marcus Simeon. Yeah. There we go. Um. So the that is the Rangers. Um. You know, we'll. I think. There's some stuff to. There's more. There's more reason to watch the Rangers this year. Yes. Um. They'll have some some interest. Uh, you know, interesting off season should be a somewhat interesting team. 
the all right now on to the los angeles angels who went 77 and 85 and finished fourth in the al west last year and yeah they're kind of like the rangers in that they're very very top heavy (laughs) uh (laughs) they lost alex cobb uh which is a tough loss tough loss Steve Ciszek and Dylan Bundy, and they added Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, Matt Duffy, Archie Bradley, and Austin Romine. Um, and I guess I'll start with my player to watch uh, for the 2022 season. I'm looking at a you know a more of a younger guy, maybe someone who could you know add to add to the lineup. Uh, Brandon Marsh. <laughs> he was a top 60 prospect in baseball heading into last season. And last season, which was his rookie and age 23 season, you know, he hit 254 with a 673 OPS. Nothing, you know, that's below average, uh, especially on the OPS scale. However, his ex-WOBA was 29 points higher than his actual WOBA, what, which was the... 45th unluckiest out of 404 batters with 100 plus batted balls last year. That's top 12% in the uh, unlucky spectrum. Yeah. And his difference in slugging and expected slugging was 24th unluckiest, which is the top 6% on the unlucky spectrum. And also out of those one, uh, out of those 404 batters, his 51.7% hard hit rate was 28th, which is top 7%. And then uh, when you go to how he was able to uh, – the the types of balls he was hitting, he, he had a 33 per, 33.3% line drive rate, which is uh, like 9 10% above average. That is second among the 404 batters to have 100-plus batted balls last year. And he and uh, 21.8% of his batted balls were hard-hit line drives, which leads – those 404 batters um and uh along with that pretty interesting he he only popped out one time last year wow uh in i think 130 something 140 something batted balls and among those 404 batters his 0.7 percent pop-up rate ranks second lowest so you know highest hard hit line drive rate and second lowest pop-up rate yep so the quality of contact, you know, he has a higher strikeout rate, but the, when he when he hits the ball, um, I think there's a lot of potential for good things happening with uh, with Brandon Marsh. So and you know, heading into his age 24 season, he's probably only getting better. So look out for him. Who do you have? Solid find. Uh, I'm looking at someone who I think we got a glimpse of last season before he found himself on the injured list. I'm looking at Patrick Sandoval. Uh, Would have been funny if you were like. I'm looking at Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> looking at this guy, Shohei Otani. I don't know if you know this, Chris, but uh, he pitches and hits. You know what it kind of reminds me of? 1919 Babe Ruth. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> um, no, I'm looking at Patrick Sandoval, who is a younger starting pitcher. Uh, I remember the highlight of his last season was he took a no-hitter into the ninth inning against the Twins. Um, it yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Didn't finish, unfortunately, but... Patrick Sandoval, his changeup is his most used pitch, and it is a good one. It has a 51.4% whiff rate, which is the third of the third highest of any pitch that belongs to a starter that had 50 uh, that had 50 PAs and on it last year. The only 
uh, starter pitches to rank higher were DeGrom slider and Glasnow's curve. So it's in very good company. Uh, this is a very weird thing, but his primary pitch changed every month last season. In May, it was his changeup. In June, it was his four-seam fastball. In July, he went back to the changeup. And then in August, it was the sinker. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with his arsenal. Um, I don't see why he doesn't just run with the change, because uh, of the 347 pitches that were thrown at least 100 times during the month of June, Sandoval's curveball had the lowest average exit velocity, uh, which was 72.6, 72.6 miles an hour of average exit velocity. That's crazy. Yeah, and it had the fourth lowest launch angle of negative eight. So his curveball, for the most part, or his changeup, for the most part, in the month of June, uh, mind you, that was a month where his four-seam fastball was was his primary pitch. It usually resulted in a softly hit ground ball. Yeah, that's... uh that's very interesting. Yeah. For yeah, Patrick Sandoval. Where, where did you say his run value ranked? His run value. I said his uh his ex, his average exit velocity. Or, I didn't mention run value. Oh, run. What was? What it was, was the thing uh, where it was Degrom slider, or was it, it whiff rate? Whiff rate. Okay. Yeah. yeah whiff rate. That was whiff rate. Whiff rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's extremely interesting. And yeah, a younger pitcher where. Yeah, someone uh, <laughs> young pitching, quality pitching, something the Angels have desperately needed for a very long time yes. uh, and might be getting that with uh, Patrick Sandoval. So my question for you, kind of related to my player to watch, but you know, similar, similar guys in that they're young outfielders uh, on the Angels who were each like ranked in the you know, top 100 and for one of them like top five. Uh, who will have the better 2022 season, Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele? Hang on a second. Oh, no. Did we do it? Did we, <laughs> we did it again, dude. Did we, <laughs> this was one I did not expect to for uh, us both to have. Yeah. Who takes a bigger step forward this year, Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh? All right. <laughs> I mean, I guess you kind of sold me on Marsh. Yeah, I sold myself on Marsh. <laughs> so this time we'll agree. <laughs> yeah. With uh, Brandon Marsh. All right. We had this. We had the same question, just like we did. We did it last year for the Brewers, and the exact same wording. I guess the wording is a little different this yeah, time. Yeah, it at is least. different. It is different. <laughs> Yeah, last year I think we both said word for word like who will have the better season, uh, and I think this order was the same of like Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns. Or, like, yeah, one of the other two. I remember one. you said Woodruff and I said Burns. Yeah, yeah. This time we agree. Yeah. We think it'll be Brandon Marsh. Um, yeah, based on like yeah, he. he has, I mean, you you sold me like that was a really good analysis. Yeah, hard hit line drives, Brandon Marsh. Love to see it. Although, <laughs> Joe Adele will be providing, I think, good defense as well. Marsh is not as mm-hmm. good defensively although he did have uh two outs above average last year in, in a short uh, amount of time that's a, a short... stat that accumulates over a season so yeah. it's encouraging yeah i'm very excited to get into the a's just because <laughs> i want to know what there is to watch on this team yeah yeah it's it's very yeah something to be very curious about oh or, oh yeah you already asked your question my bad <laughs> yeah uh all right so the oakland athletics last year Went 86 and 76 and finished third in the AL West. So, you know, they were pretty close. A couple additions. They could be, a, especially with this expanded playoffs, they could have they made a run. 
but no, they uh, they lost uh, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Starling Marte, Chris Bassett, Mark Hanna, Jan Gomes, Andrew Chafin, Jake Diekman, uh, Yusmero Petit, and Sergio Romo. Where did Yusmero Petit go? I think well, he's I think he's still on the free agent market. If we're being oh. honest, uh, I want to say he signed though. Yeah, or maybe he, it might be Romo who's still on the free agent market. No, Romo just signed with, uh, I think, the Mariners. Okay. Mario Petit, yeah, it looks like he's not on a team right now. So maybe they'll add him back. Yeah. Uh, in terms of additions, I said added Christian Pache, I guess. <laughs> um, and Eric, well, they signed Eric Thames as a, as a free agent, apparently. That's fun. Um, <laughs> they signed Billy McKinney. Who Billy just... McKinney in his ninth organization <laughs> in the last year, <laughs> like what the heck? <laughs> uh, they also signed Stephen Vogt. Uh, all right, sure, yeah. sure, and then I think they signed someone else recently. Yeah, who else? Are, yeah, they got Stephen Goat or Stephen Vogt. Stephen are they gonna Vogt. get uh, Grant Balfour back? Yeah, they yeah they're gonna sign uh, Jose Canseco back. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they're bringing He's back Connie Max. Al, Al, this Al team. Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> Eddie Plank. <laughs> Eddie Plank. Yep. Um, oh. All right, uh, who do you have to watch on this team? So uh, I had to I had to take out a microscope to find someone yeah. <laughs> that's good on this team, uh, but I, I did find something someone that seems interesting. Uh, AJ Puck, nice. who was a first round draft pick in 2016, uh, despite a small sample size in 2020 and 2021, uh, Puck's ground ball rate rose eight percent. Uh, between those two years. And of the 104 lefties to throw at least 50-plus sinkers last season, Puck's 95.9 mile-an-hour average pitch velocity was the sixth highest. Nice. And uh, so that means you know, like his sinker had really good velocity, some of the highest in baseball. Uh, of the 344 pitchers to throw at least 50 sinkers, Puck's 6.1 inches of vertical movement above league average was 11th highest. So that 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 sinker that I was talking about, it moves, it goes it goes down at a good rate, and it goes fast. So that's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, he developed it last year, so it wasn't his primary pitch. So I I would assume that maybe he's working himself to become a sinker ball pitcher. So yeah. I'm curious to see uh, if he can do if he can make that transition this year. Uh, he also lost 1.7 miles an hour off of his fastball last year, which I feel like maybe that's a good reason why he developed his sinker. Maybe mm-hmm. he just put less effort into it if he was going with the sinker more. Um, and also, his slider had a 46.4% whiff rate, and it had a batting average that was 150 points above the expected batting average. So he has a pretty good arsenal to work with. The sinker, st- I think, is still a work in progress, but I think it's a very good work in progress right now. The slider has some potential as well. Uh, it kind of just got bad at the last season. So that's what I'm looking at with A.J. Puck this year. Yeah, when I'm thinking of hard lefty sinkers i'm thinking of prime zach Britton. Mm-hmm. um it's not quite the same this as it used to be because i think it has less velocity but like yeah i, I remember he had like a ne- zach Britton had like a negative two degree launch angle and it was like the highest of the stack guys <laughs> for him <laughs> yeah like uh yeah prime prime zach Britton, like 2016 mm-hmm. uh throw in you know 98 mile an hour sinkers that dip about a foot uh yeah like that's that's potentially what you could get from aj puck i don't know that's like that's the ceiling probably yeah Yeah, like something to look forward to um i went a little more basic uh i'm looking at sean murphy uh because he's he's had a pretty encouraging career so far he's a young 
26-year-old catcher now? I'm not yeah. sure. How happy are you that they didn't trade him so you had someone to look at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for now. Um, <laughs> how funny would it be? Uh, my player to watch gets traded, like, immediately after uh, after. That's essentially talking. what I was marketing with Tyler Male. Yeah, re- yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, hey, who wants this guy? He's yeah. good on the road. <laughs> Uh, so Sean Murphy, uh, since the start of 2020, the catcher F4 rankings go JT Realmuto, Will Smith, Yasmani Grandal, Salvador Perez, Buster Posey, and Sean Murphy uh, in that list. So you have like, you know, what are known as pretty elite catchers. And, you know, you got Sean Murphy mixed in there right behind them. Uh, last year, he was third in catcher framing runs and won a gold glove. Uh, also, since the start of 2020, he leads all catchers in defensive runs above average. Um, and then offensively, uh, last year had a little bit of a down year, but in 2021, his expected WOBA was 28 points higher than his actual WOBA. And out of 207 batters with 250 plus batted balls last year, that was the 17th unluckiest difference, which is top 9% uh, unlucky. Also, his barrel rate was in the 75th percentile, uh, you know, good sign offensively, and obviously, you know, a gold glove winner defensively. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a guy, you know, who'll, you know, not not on a good team, but, you know, he's one of the better players on the mm-hmm. team right now. So uh, make sure to uh, appreciate him uh, more. Anyway, your question about uh, the Oakland A's. For the full season, who will lead the team in slugging? Um, who will lead the team in slugging? If uh, you think a guy is going to get traded, don't say him. So, okay, see, so what's their lineup right now? You got Murphy, Olsen gone, <laughs> Chapman gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, oh, they just signed Jed Lowry, too. That's, that's good. Uh, so, you got him. Who's in there? Who's been in their outfield? I feel like they didn't let go of too many outfield guys. I mean, maybe Chris Davis from 2018, but I think he's gone now. Uh, oh, man, this is really... <laughs> you I'm giving you the tough questions. I'm really, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this is like White House correspondent level <laughs> grilling right now. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on the hot seat right now. I'll uh I'll just stick to my guy like I did last time and say uh, Sean Murphy. You think he stays? Um, I said if yeah, you think it, okay. He, he has I mean he has a good amount of control left. Like 2020 was his rookie year, so I would assume. I think he's still pre arb. Yeah, he's pre arb right now, so I think they'll hold on to him for this year. <laughs> and then trade him next year. Maybe next year. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I'll say. Um, my question. Um, it's independent of if they'll stay on the A's or not. So Frankie Montas finished 2021 with 207 strikeouts, while Sean Manaya had 194. Who will have more strikeouts in 2022, regardless of team? Regardless, well, let's see. Uh, I know that Montas was on the Yankees roster, so if he gets traded to the AL East, that's a lot of good lineups. Manaya, I think, was on the Cardinals Right, radar, so that's the NL yeah. Central. So that's, uh. <laughs> I gotta consider the division they're getting traded to, Chris. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna say Montas. I All think right. he's very underrated. Like, 
I know that he hasn't really had a full season because he had a PD, PED suspension recently. I think 2021 was his most complete season. Um, and he had more Ks per nine, I think. So I'm going to stick with Frankie Montas. Yeah, yeah, he he was underrated. He was uh he was actually one of my how about that's last year. Yes. I had a fun I had a fun stat where I, I think Eddie Plank and Chief Bender like he was on a list with Eddie Plank and Chief Bender and that was it. Cool. And that was pretty fun. Now I since I didn't look at the projected lineup for the uh, slugging, yeah, I, you know what? I'm pretty confident in my Sean Murphy choice. Now that I'm looking at this projected lineup, I was like, "Am I missing anybody?" I was not missing anybody. No, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. gonna be. I'm pretty. I'm more confident in my Sean Murphy pick now than uh, I was before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, those are our questions. Now on to the Seattle Mariners, who last year went 90 and 72. And finished second in the AL West. Uh, they had a ni- negative 60 run differential and a plus 90 fun differential, yes. according to baseball reference. <laughs> uh, they lost Kyle Seeger, Tyler Anderson, Hector Santiago, Jake Freely, Justin Dunn, Sean Doolittle, and Joe Smith. But they added Robbie Ray, the defending American League Cy Young winner, uh, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, and uh, Adam Frazier, I almost yeah. forgot about. Um so yeah, they uh, they added some very quality, um, you know. Obviously, you know, defending AL Cy Young Award winner Jesse Winker had an OPS of 9.49 last year. Eugenio Suarez is like three years removed from a 49 home run season. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that's fun. And then um, Adam Frazier was an All Star last year. I do need to say they had a negative 51 run differential. Just wanted yeah. to get my numbers correct. Yeah. Uh, we have that. Um, my player to watch is a guy who maybe didn't have the best season last year but i think is a guy who's going to be improving as time goes on uh my player to watch it was actually my 2020 player to watch before he ever played a major league <laughs> baseball game, yeah logan gilbert um because although he had a 4.68 era he had a 409 expected era and a 3.73 fip uh he had a an Largely what made his expected ERA and FIP good was he had a 4.6 strikeout-to-walk ratio. And uh, I have a, a fun stat on – ooh, fun. Oh, look at that. Good stat. So the Daniel Kern stat from December 19, 2021 says uh, rookies to have 9.5-plus strikeouts per nine and less than 2.5-walks per nine minimum 95 innings pitch so the list is francisco lariano in 2006 noah Syndergaard in 2015 walker bueller in 2018 chris paddock in 2019 and logan gilbert in 2021 and my fun stat is in 2021 he became one of four pitchers to have 125 plus strikeouts and less than 30 walks in their first season not necessarily rookie season but their first season in major league baseball the other three were Roger Clemens, Roy Oswalt, and Masahiro Tanaka. Wow. So, you know, he's he's got the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, he's, he's got a good uh, measurement measurements with that. Um, maybe could slow down on the home run ball and hard-hit contact against him. But he's heading into his age 25 season, so he's got a lot of time to develop. Sure. Uh, yeah, your player to watch. My player to watch is one of the additions. Uh, it is Eugenio Suarez. 
Nice. Uh, he is coming off a down year in which he hit 31 home runs. Yep. <laughs> which, uh, you know, maybe that says more about Cincinnati than him. But he his TOPS plus on the road was only 91, so it wasn't that outrageously. Yeah. Uh, and naturally, you guys yeah. do better on the yes. at home than on the road. Um, between the first and second half, his average exit velocity went from 87.5 miles an hour to 91.9 miles an hour. That's a huge increase. Um, he had a 140 TOPS plus in the second half. Wow. That is that is insane. Uh, yeah. So he ended the month on a high note. He ended the year on a high note, especially in the month of September, Suarez slashed 370, 460, 808 with a 1268 OPS in 87 plate appearances. Yeah. Uh, that 1268 OPS led the 371 hitters with at least 30 plate appearances, and he had 87. So, Eugenio Suarez, especially, like, one of the biggest problems with his game is defense. Uh, he's coming, he's going, I mean, it doesn't matter, really, but he's going from a National League team to an American League team, uh, one that has a, has plenty of outfielders, so, uh, and they probably have Abraham Toro that they can throw at third base. It is very weird because Fangraphs has uh, Suarez at third, Toro with, Suarez at third, Toro with DH. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think I think only having to focus on offense is going to benefit him him a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that's a big power bat, and uh, someone who obviously had a crazy second half um, that went a little under the radar. My question for you uh, is regarding some of the young outfielders they have. Who will have the best season among Kyle Lewis, Jared Kelnick, and Julio Rodriguez? Uh, Kyle Lewis is hurt right now, and Julio Rod- still hurt. Yeah, I don't know what exactly the injury is. He was hurt all of last year, pretty much. Yes. Um, let me look at the injury report real quick. Uh, Kyle Lewis. Oh, will be will not be ready for opening day. Okay. Um, yeah, which that could still mean he plays 140 games. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then Julio Rodriguez. I mean, we already know what's happening with him. Doesn't matter if Kevin Mather isn't there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we all we all know what's going on. Uh so I'm gonna say Jared Kelnick. Nice. Yeah. Right. Kind of right. just by process of elimination. Uh also one addition that they made that people kinda forget about is that they do in fact have Ken Giles. Um because he oh, signed a yeah. two year deal and got Tommy John surgery. I forgot about that. Um so which uh which uh offensive duo will have a stronger year. The additions of Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez or the familiar familiar faces of Mitch Hanniger and Ty France. Hanniger and France versus uh versus Winker and Suarez. Um France, the hit by pitch king. Yes. Um I don't necessarily huh. Or or if you want to throw in Kelnick Rodriguez as the is the younger group too. Go right ahead. Yeah, um yeah, I think um, I think it'll be Winker and Suarez because I never really know what to expect from Mitch Haniger. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm if I'm being honest, he is in a contract year. He is in a contract year. Is heading into his what age thirty three season? Uh, thirty one. Thirty one. Okay, so I'm a little bit off there. Um, he had thirty nine home runs last year, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like. For how kind of low, relatively low his OPS was for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty funny how that worked out. But yeah, I'll still say Winker Suarez, especially like you hyped up Suarez, so I'm I'm a little more on the Suarez yeah. train than I was before. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, that is the Mariners. Now on to the Houston Astros. Um, they went 95 and 67 and won the AL West last year. Beat the White Sox in the ALDS in four games. Beat the Red Sox in the ALCS in six games, and lost to the Braves in the World Series in six games as well. They lost, as we mentioned, Carlos Correa, uh, also Zach Greinke, Kendall Graveman, Yimmy Garcia, and Brooks Raley, uh, and they added Hector Neris, Lewis Brinson, and Nico Lewis, and Nico Goodrum. Lewis Brinson. Lewis Brinson. You know everyone from the Yelich trade that the Marlins got is gone now. Um. Hmm, wait. Every everyone that the everyone yeah, that yeah. the Marlins got. Yeah. Lewis Brinson. Out of those, out else? of those four big trades, like the only one that really worked out was the Ozuna trade. Yeah, because it got Alcantara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Funny. Uh, Lewis funny Brinson, stuff Monte the... Harrison, and two others, and they're all gone. Dang. Who is your player to watch from the Astros? My player to watch from the Astros is a guy that we've covered plenty. It's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all. That's all you need to hear. Uh, I can't. I can't pass up any opportunity to talk about Framber Valdez. <laughs> I would. I would be willing to guess that Chris may have done the same thing. I. I kind of thought like you might do it, so okay. I avoided him. Yeah. Good. 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 Um, a seventy point three percent ground ball rate. Uh, the highest of the two thousand nine hundred and fourteen seasons with at least ninety innings pitched since two thousand and two. That's as far as Fangraphs data goes back, so it's probably more than that. His four point seven three ground ball to fly ball ratio also leads that list of two thousand nine hundred and fourteen seasons. It is also the lowest average launch angle in the Statcast era. Minimum three hundred batted balls, negative five point five. This dude is a ground ball machine for the longevity that he provides. It is absolutely a sight to behold. Yes. Um, like, just for that reason alone, like, I know that he walks a lot of guys and, he, and his strikeouts could be better, but Framber Valdez is must watch. Yeah. Like, yeah. every time, like, every time he pitches this year, if I'm not watching, I'm at least going to tune into the box score and look at the play by play just to see how many ground balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just even like in the playoffs we got because he had that one start where it was like eight innings, one run or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was like, why do the Red Sox keep grounding? Like, how do, why do the Red Sox keep driving the ball into the ground? Why don't they hit a line drive? And like, we were just sitting back there, like, we know it's Framber. It's Framber. They got Frambert, you know. He got Fra- sometimes you get Frambert. <laughs> like as like Kevin Cash. In 2019, in the 2019 playoffs, uses the term we got Verlander. Sometimes you just get Frambert, yeah. and you hit 17 <laughs> ground balls. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, um, so I have I have like I have two players to watch. I didn't go too in depth on either one, so I figured I'd put two, and both kind of interested me. One is a guy who's like he's more established, but he should be recognized more for how great he's been. Uh, Ryan Presley, the closer yes. of the Houston Astros. Yes. Uh, last year, he had a 2.25 ERA, 2.06 FIP, and was 26 for 28 in save opportunities. But he hasn't just been killing it. Uh, he hasn't just been killing it since 2021. Since the start of 2018, he has a 2.48 ERA, 12.1 strikeouts per nine, and two and a 2.43 FIP in 210 and a third innings pitched. In this span, he is third in F4 among relievers behind Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader. 
which is, you know, those are the cream of the crop. Uh, so third and F4 behind those guys. And his chase contact rate in his career is 42.5%, which is 16 percentage points lower than league average. Uh, so Ryan Presley, like, you know, you know he's probably going to do good. But, you know, so it's not a bold prediction to be like, oh, look out for this guy. But he should be appreciated more for sure. Um, and he's one of the best relievers out there. And uh, he's not a household name quite yet, uh, but but he should be. Um, my other player to watch, not too much analysis on him, but uh, he interested me, uh, Chaz McCormick. Heading into his age 27 season, uh, you know, he – or no, he, Miss, I miswrote this, but he is heading into his age 27 season, if you want to yes, know. Is. And uh, he had 11 outs above average in 108 games last year. And a lot of those games, he was only coming in for like one inning. So even more impressive. He also had a 107 OPS plus in 320 plate appearances. So being 7% above league average offensively and very much above league average defensively. That's a good recipe for success as a, as an Astros outfielder. And along with that, he's in the 89th percentile in sprint speed. So, uh, you know, beating out infield singles, a potential base dealer, even though stealing bases isn't, isn't really in fashion right now mm-hmm. because there's a lot of fast guys who just don't steal bases, which is funny to me. But, uh, but yeah, so Ryan Presley, you know, appreciate him a little more Chaz McCormick kind of look out for him he's a he's an extremely good defender and uh was above average offensively last year so look out for him um worth noting um first of all when you said like guy who's established but people don't realize how great he is I thought you were gonna say be basic and choose Kyle Tucker uh but Uh Ryan Presley was a great pick Mm -hmm. um second of all just I think it's worth noting uh Fangraphs projects their starting shortstop to be Jeremy Pena uh, that is Carlos yeah. Correa's replacement. Um, yeah. Last year, he, uh, in, let's see, 30 games in AAA, he slashed 287, 346, 598, 944. 598. Yeah, 598. Slugging. Slugging. Th- granted, 30 games, but True. still still worth noting. Um, so that's something to watch out for because he's projected to be in the opening day lineup, obviously. Um, and we'll have to see what I, – I could see, like – in June, maybe Correa's having a down-ish year. Maybe Payne is pretty good. And Astros fans are like, we, we did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole uh, and Taiwan, then, and then, yeah. Taiwan Walker thing yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the Mets. Yeah. But then, but, then, like, for the, uh, but then it all balances out and Correa's yeah. significantly better. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I could see that happening in like, like late May, April, early May. For sure, no doubt about like, it. Like it, it seems like one of those scenarios. Yeah, it, you're so right about that. <laughs> it will happen for sure. Um, my question. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Your question. You go first. So the Astros have won the division by at least five games in every full season since 2017. Uh, over under four and a half game gap between them and second place in the division. Assuming you have them winning the division, maybe you don't. Um. Oh yeah, I definitely say under because like I'm debating in my head whether they will win the division okay. or not all right because i like I, I know the mariners run differential wasn't great last year but I, I do like what the mariners have okay um especially with adding a cy young award winner and jesse winker yes and like the astros like even outside correa like you know 
Granky was a quality starter last year for the most part, uh, at least an innings eater. Kendall Graveman uh, and Yimmy Garcia were quality uh, after the trade deadline. Brooks Rayleigh, Brooks Rayleigh was, you know, he was, uh, what's the term? The opposite of a volcano. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of being unlucky last year. So, you know, I, the Astros did lose a good amount. I do like what they have with Dusty Baker at the helm um, and managing that. And I guess they do have Justin Verlander coming back. But I still say under because um, I think I think they still – did I, I didn't expect them to win 95 games last year. I think they overperformed slightly a little bit. So uh, and then you know losing Correa that'll that'll hurt the mm-hmm. the lineup and their defense. Yeah, as well. just look out for all those all those edgy tweets from Astros fans on yeah. like I'd say like April 28th. Yeah, <laughs> like that's gonna be the date. Like Jeremy Pena will like be pretty good. Correa will be having like a downish start. Yeah, I can't wait. And like, I can't wait. Yeah. April twenty eighth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna keep that on my calendar. Uh, and now we move on to the National League West. Uh, after a smooth transition into that, uh, where we will start off with the last place in National League West and Major League Baseball, Arizona Diamondbacks. Were they really? Uh, well, they got they got the number one pick next year, right? I think so. In in twenty twenty two. Yeah, they do. Wow. They went fifty two and a hundred ten uh, to finish, you know, last in major. League Them baseball. and the Orioles both. Them and the Orioles tied, and I yeah. guess the Diamondbacks got a tiebreaker somehow. Uh, and uh, over the offseason, they lost Cole Calhoun, Tyler Clippard, and Taylor Clark, and they added Mark Melanson, Zach Davies, Ian Kennedy, and Caleb Baragar or Barager. Oh, Baragar. Baragar. an average age of 34 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, average service time of like eight years. So I think, yeah, you, uh, you had, with the Astros, you had, you had your player go first or you, you talked about your player first. Yeah. I'll talk about my player right. first. And I mentioned last week how some of these guys, I'm not even going to mention <laughs> them because they're necessarily good, but because they're kind of funny and the last guy I mentioned as an addition was is a funny guy, Caleb Baragar. Uh, so <laughs> he last year he had a one five seven ERA despite bad peripherals. I don't know one five seven ERA. That's you know it's fun. I, I know that it's probably not going to withstand, but it's good good for him. Uh, what stands out is his launch angle against. So there have been five hundred twenty five pitchers to have a hundred plus batted balls against them since the start of 2020 and no one has a higher average launch angle against than Caleb Baragar 28.5% of his batted balls against him have had a 45 degree launch angle against or higher which uh, is the highest rate among those 525 pitchers his average launch angle in his career is around 28 degrees which is pretty insane. Uh, he has a very high pop-up rate, very high just, you know, high fly ball rate, as mentioned by the, you know, 45, 28.5% of the batted balls have had a 45-degree launch angle uh, or higher, which is, you know, that's pretty much a guaranteed out. But, yeah, uh, so Caleb Baragar, he's you're going to pop it up. 
you're gonna you're gonna hit a yeah. high fly ball. So uh, so yeah, watch out for him. It's just that's just a funny guy. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, I know that this is like years ago at this point, but like Chase Field did get rid of the humidor um, a while ago, and I believe that like turns down home runs, right? Um, I don't know. It it's weird. Like I'm trying to look at it right now. I think. Uh, or, does the he? Do you mean getting rid of it turns down home runs, or having it gets rid of home runs? I think it. I think like the humidor, like to the, the fact they took it away was supposed to. Yeah, it was supposed to like suppress home runs. Um. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why I think that's what the Rockies had it. Yep. At first, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if he's able, if they're able, is he? If he's able to be in which, an environment. Granted, that was like five years ago. Which takes away home runs. Mm-hmm. He can be. A decent reliever. Let me look at uh. Let me look at like ballpark factors. Yeah. To yeah. see where Chase Field ranks in comparison to because he was Oracle just Park. he was also yeah he was just at uh, Oracle Park yeah. which is you know friendly for a guy who's gonna have a lot of fly balls mm-hmm. against him. Um. Chase Field has a 101 park factor and Oracle has an eight at 95, but if we're looking strictly at home runs. It's actually just about the same. So, it looks like it's, uh, if anything, it's like a, it's like worse off for him. But, yeah. But then again, a lot of that could be contributed to one team has, has really good pitching and bullpen, and one team is really bad. True, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, Caleb Bargar, if you're, if you're watching him, just... Watch for those pop-ups because they're going to happen. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, what what is your – who is your player to watch from the Diamondbacks? I guess I'm kind of going a similar route to you as I'm going, I'm going with a guy who's just really unique. But this guy is also, like, good and is going to have a very important role in the team, Dalton Varsho. Yeah. Uh, he was a how about that of mine last year. Uh, he is already one of three players in the modern era to play – at least, well, he's one of three players in the modern era, uh, that is since 1900, according to Baseball Reference, uh, to play 40 games at catcher and 40 games in center field before turning 25. Mm. Uh, the other one, the two, the two others were Dale Murphy and Roger Bresh something. Mm-hmm. I think you might, I think you know how to pronounce it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, guy was really good. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Breshanan. Breston, I would imagine that's his silent H. Yeah, Breston. I've actually never heard. Either way, (laughs) the guy, the guy played from. uh, I see him in like Stathead every now and then. Um, Anyway, the point is, the guy played, or he was a. He debuted in 1897, played six games, and then didn't play again until 1900, and he played 40, at least 40 games at catcher in center field. He was the first player to do so. Dale Murphy was the second, and Dalton Varsho was the third. Uh, From July 20th. On last season, Varsho slashed 294, 345, 541 for an 886 OPS. That's pretty encouraging. Uh, his 130 weighted runs created plus in that time frame ranked third among catchers. And uh, also, of the 180 catchers in the StatCast era, uh, Varsho's 4.18 home plate to first base sprint is the fastest. Which I guess it makes sense if it's the one catcher that also plays center field to be the fastest catcher, but it's still just a pretty cool note on him. 
And uh, he he's going to be one of the more important hitters on this team. He's probably going to be hitting in the middle of the order. He's also uh, going into his age 25 season, so there's going to be a lot expected from him. He was one of the top prospects in the system of Arizona coming up to the big leagues, so I'm interested to see if he can take a step forward because... Um, and I'm also interested to see what he does positionally because, like, Carson Kelly is the starting catcher on that team. He's probably staying on the roster. They're kind of going to have to carry two catcher, three catchers, or maybe two and a half, I suppose. Right. Or that's going to be cool. Yeah. If we're to look at it maybe more optimistically, it's like, oh, you got, you know, you have, you, you get to carry, mm-hmm. you get to carry whatever, like five outfielders. One of them also happens to be a catcher. Yeah. yeah. Just in case, like, you need, like, I don't, I don't think he's going to play catcher as much this year since they are carrying two others and the DH is now a thing. Right. Right. Um, Reminds me of the great Blake Swihart back in the day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Man, that, what what could have been? What could have been? Um, Look at what they remember. What they took from us? Yeah, <laughs> he and Henry Owens. I mean, he he got injured in left field. That's yeah. what kind of was the downturn for him. Uh, Poor guy. Tough. Uh, all right, now on to questions. My question is regarding a guy uh, you've had a lot of high praise for. Um, since probably, you know, he got, I think he, he was a player to watch in like 2020 for you. Uh, this guy also had, he had a great 2020, unlike most of us. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry to come back to the joke. He had a great 2020 season and, uh, you know, not as, uh, you know, not great. A little, some injuries, uh, sporadically in there in 2021, but uh, will Zach Gallen have over or under a three and a half ERA? Over or under three and a half. Um, yeah, I think he, I think there's reason to believe it. Uh, he's going to be ideally healthy this year. Uh, he showed that he has that potential in 2020. He was great all around. Like he was one of the. I think he got Cy Young votes, and I think people were even arguing for him to be the Cy Young. Right. Um. So yeah, I absolutely think he has that potential. One of my favorite trades, just in general, is Zach Allen for Jazz Chisholm straight up. <laughs> it's like, it's like I mean, either team would be fine if they didn't do it, but both teams are fine that they did it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Or like I'm, both players have like a homegrown feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Zach Allen's always been a Diamondback. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Jazz Chisholm. I mean, yeah. Like that guy was born and raised in Miami, yes. actually. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he grew up, uh, yeah, he grew up idolizing Kevin Brown <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Luis yeah. Castillo. Yeah. He, Luis Castillo was actually his idol. The not his, Zach Allen was at game seven in 2001. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, Jazz Chisholm at the age of three was at game seven in 1997. <laughs> yeah. 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 How old would Jazz Zach, Chisholm have been for that game? Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Zach, uh, yeah, Zach Allen, you know, he he wore a Brandon Webb jersey for <laughs> for 100 days straight in summer between <laughs> between uh 2005 se- between 7th and 8th grade yeah. for him. <laughs> uh Jazz, he's from the Bahamas, so obviously uh I don't know, a, tr- a tropical. Oh, wow, he wasn't even alive for that game. <laughs> he was born February 1st, 1998. Yeah. He was there he was there in 2003. Yeah, yeah. He was he at the. Uh, he the went to the Bronx. He, Dude, he, he was... braved the storm in a uh, <laughs> in a Josh Beckett jersey. Yeah, <laughs> he went to the the Alex Gonzalez walk off game. Yeah, <laughs> and and the Bartman game too. Oh yeah, yeah. 
he was <laughs> he was actually one of the fans going for the ball. They don't <laughs> they don't blame him. He was too little. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, your question for the Diamondbacks. Uh, my question: Who will have a higher OPS, Christian Walker, who is projected on Fangraphs to have a 752 OPS, or David Peralta, who is projected to 757? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, hmm, I'll say uh, I'll say Christian Walker, just because I just know him more for his offense than his defense. Doesn't necessarily mean he's better, but but I feel like uh, he'll he'll make his mark more. Mm-hmm. Just a feeling. Um, all right. <clears throat> Onto the Colorado Rockies, who last year kind of overperformed, <laughs> oddly enough, uh, went seventy-four and eighty-seven. But and they fin- also went sixty-five and seventy from May first on. Yep, and uh, finished fourth in the National League West. They lost Trevor Story and John Gray. They added Chris Bryant, Chad Cool, Alex Colomay, and Jose Iglesias. Uh, who is your player to watch? Remember when the Rockies like could not win a game on the road to save their life? Um, last year yeah they were like four and like 15 probably even worse they were like four and like 25 on the road well, i remember when the diamondbacks yeah like it went like a, over a month <laughs> that's true <laughs> they did go over a month without winning a game on the road it was like madison bumgarner's seven inning no hitter yep. april to, 25th shout out to yeah shout out to seven inning no hitters yep. today um <laughs> but <laughs> springfield college just had a a, a seven inning no hitter in between Division previews, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> we we heard about the news. And we were like, we got to start this, stop this recording right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Kirk and Robinson. They're combining for one right now. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Shout out to seven inning no hitters, and then the Diamondbacks went over a month without a road win. It was like, it was like what, seventeen or eighteen <laughs> consecutive yeah, losses on it was the road. Crazy. It was insane. Uh, who's your Rockies player to watch? Uh, my Rockies player to watch is someone who kind of overperformed last season in a somewhat small sample, but uh, I, it doesn't look like he is a spot on the team this year, which is very unfortunate because he's pretty good. Connor Joe, mm. uh, he's an outfielder who, as of, like after the Chris Bryant signing, uh, is not on the Fangraphs projected opening day lineup. He's on the bench, which I disagree with because mm. Connor Joe... Of the 362 hitters with at least 200 plate appearances, his 379 on base percentage ranked 18th in the majors. Uh, Joe slugged seven or er, 667 on four seam fastballs and 636 on sinkers. Uh, there was one player that slugged more on each pitch, in, in minimum 25 plate appearances against sinkers and 50 plate appearances on four seam fastballs. That one player was Bryce Harper. It's the only player that outslugged Connor Joe on both pitches last year. Minimum those plate appearances. Which pitches? Uh, fastball and sinker. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Which makes sense because cores. It's yeah. Um, it's in the fastball cat. Both in the fastball category. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his six point six run value per one hundred against sinkers ranks second among the four hundred four hitters that have at least twenty five plate appearances that ended on a sinker. That means, uh, for every one hundred sinkers he was thrown. Uh, he produced approximately 6.6 runs, yeah, which is really impressive. Of the 415 hitters that had 50 plate appearances ending in a fastball or a sinker, Joe's 663 slugging against them ranked 16th. He is one of the best hitters in the league when you throw him those two particular pitches. He also had an OPS in the mid-8s last year. Uh, the Rockies have to find a way to get this guy at the plate as much as they can. 
because he is very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm guessing a younger guy. He is, well, he was kind of like a career minor leaguer. He's going into his age 29 season. Yeah. And last year was his, essentially his rookie season. Right, right. But a producer nonetheless. Uh, my player to watch, um, I went... I went pretty basic for the Rockies because it's it's kind of hard, you know. Yeah, you, <laughs> if you want to go in depth, you got to go into the you know run value on sinkers and. Yep. <laughs> it's it's very it's a it's a it's a deep hole you have to go down, and I was not prepared to do to do that with the Rockies, I guess. Uh, so I went with C.J. Crone, mm. who um, you know I guess would probably I think he was my player to watch last year. Yeah, like uh, my reasoning this year is like you know he had a great 2021 uh he had a 905 ops and a 130 ops plus last year and in his final 52 games of the season he hit 337 with a 1073 ops and a 165 weighted runs created plus uh out of 155 qualifiers in that span his average ranked seventh his on-base percentage ranked eighth his slugging ranked fourth ops ranked fifth and weighted runs created plus which is park factored uh ranked 11th out of 155 um, so yeah, CJ Crone, he might've gone under the radar to someone who was, you know, not paying attention to the non-contending teams, especially later in the year. Cause he, you know, he was probably more average until that, those last two months. Um, and, you know, really popped off and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's someone that could potentially be traded this year. Um, or I highly doubt it because yeah. if you look at his, if you look at his splits, it makes him far less desirable. Right, right. Like, very far less desirable. Yeah, so, you know. Uh, but, you know, 165 weighted runs created plus in the final 52 games. You know, very, very good. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a good reason to watch the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, he had a 1073 OPS at home and a 734 OPS on the road. Yeah. 135 <laughs> TOPS plus to 65 TOPS plus. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean they re-signed him as a free agent this year, and that made so much sense. Like if he made if he went anywhere else, I would have been like, why? <laughs> but what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Uh, your question. My question: uh, Where in the order is Charlie Blackman hitting at the end of the season? Uh, he is projected to be leadoff, but I think the Rockies have a lot of guys coming up. Uh, Ryan McMahon. Uh, had a pretty good walk rate last year. Brandon Rogers is projected to take a big step forward. They just got Randall Grichik. They got Jose Iglesias. Sam Hilliard is projected uh, 21 home runs and 11 stolen bases. Um, Garrett Hampson is projected 10 stolen bases. Not a lot of power there, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that has speed. Charlie Blackman last year had 66 percentile sprint speed and a 9 percent walk rate. Do you think he's still the leadoff hitter? Do you think he moved somewhere else? Do you think he's still in the lineup? Where do you think he's at at the end of the year? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, who's their manager right now? Is it's not still Bud it's Black. Bud Bla- it's still Bud, Bud Black. Black. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, he's leading off in 2027. <laughs> uh, so it's Bud Black. So I guess that because because I don't know. I feel like that's just been his spot for a very long time, um, and I don't know. Like, and also it's not a thing where like, you know, obviously like we both know that like the best hitter doesn't go there, and like sometimes sometimes not even like your top five hitter like top top five hitters go there mm-hmm. um but uh i'm trying to think like yeah because they're not going to be contending and thinking about like 
lineup changes at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at more as like a as a transitional thing because they have a lot of guys coming up in that lineup, and Blackman is going into his age 35 season. Yeah, I think if they were to change Blackman's lineup position, they'd do it in the off season for whatever reason. I don't know. It's just a feeling. I don't really have okay. anything to support that, but uh, I think he'll stay lead off um, when seasons end. Seasons okay. end comes, and if mm-hmm. not. I'd say like sixth. Yeah. Um, my question, uh, it's about a couple of the guys you just mentioned. Uh, who will have a better off or who will have a better offensive season? Brendan Rodgers or Ryan McMahon? Offensive strictly. Ooh, offensive strictly. That is a great question. Um, you know what, Brendan? No, Brendan Rodgers was actually my player to watch last year i'm gonna stick with my guns from 2021 i think he takes a big step forward this year at second base and i think he becomes a really good offensive contributor for the team nice nice uh yeah <clears throat> rogers uh for reference last year had a 798 ops Which and very good mcmahon I, was 779 i think uh i think rogers started out like struggling so that probably means he did very well towards the end of the season Right, right. Fangraphs projects him to have a 474 slugging, which is very good. Yeah, that is very good. Definitely very good. Um, Let me so check. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll we'll get the numbers on that on Brendan Rogers. Um, yeah, he he came in the data sheet right now. Yeah, <laughs> he came up as a pretty top prospect. He was like a he was like a top ten pick. Yep, yep. Um, probably a yard goats legend. Yes, he was. <laughs> Oh wow, this goes a while back. Um, from June twenty first on, he slashed uh, two two ninety four, three twenty eight, four ninety, eight eighteen. Nice four ninety nice. slugging. That's a four ninety slugging in seventy six games. That's pretty good. Nice. That's, I'd say if he could just take more walks, because a, a two ninety four to a three twenty eight OBP, it's not yeah exactly the, like two ninety four average is cool, but. I mean, you definitely yeah. want to walk a lot a little more. A little more patience. I think that's <clears throat> definitely the biggest thing that's missing from his offensive game. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, something something to develop. He's heading into his age 25 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, McMahon heading into his age 27 season. Um, and now we go on to the Padres. The Friars. Um, who we talked about a ton last year. <laughs> Not for the right reasons. Like, at first it was for the right reasons. Yeah. And then, man, did, did it take a turn? The, the peak of their season was Joe Musgrove throwing a no-hitter, and that was on, like, April 10th. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, yeah, I think we had nine slightly alarmings or something Jeez, like that. We could have made a whole lineup. Yes. <laughs> Even though there were probably multiple pitchers. Yeah, yeah, have, like, yeah. Definitely. Definitely multiple pitches. Blake, yeah, have like Blake uh, Snell, Chris you, Paddock, just Hugh have you Darvish. Darvish at like third base. <laughs> um, but uh, he's throwing, he's throwing curveballs to first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eric Hosmer. That Eric Hosmer is catching because yeah. he's in that lineup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was one of mine. Uh, and uh, over the offseason, they lost Tommy Pham, Adam Frazier, Daniel Hudson, Matt Strom, and Jake Marisnik. You know, good for them. They got rid of that cheating, <laughs> that cheating sob, Jake Marisnik ruining ruining baseball. <laughs> um, and uh, they added uh, Luis Garcia, Luis Garcia, the <laughs> the Luis Garcia in his thirties who pitched for the Cardinals last year. <laughs> um, they also added Nick Martinez, which is pretty interesting. He was over in Japan 
for uh yeah didn't he sign like a four-year deal yes that's that's one that i'm interested in that's very interesting and uh nomar mazara they added as well who can hit the ball very far but you know doesn't do it too often um all right and uh my player to watch is actually it's directly from the the stats i'm using for this is pretty much directly from a how about that i had (laughs) uh in september um and it's pretty basic but I, I don't think I don't Fernando think Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't think this stretch was being recognized like maybe as much as it should have been because of how bad the Padres were doing at this time. Uh, Blake Snell. Yep. Um, despite an underwhelming overall season in 2021, uh, he turned things around greatly late in the season. In his final start, uh, he left with an injury after two thirds of an inning. Of an inning. Um, but in his previous seven starts, he had a 1.85 ERA, a 2.35 FIP, in 43 and two-thirds innings pitched. And out of 56 qualifiers in that span, uh, his ERA ranked eighth, his FIP ranked sixth, and his strikeouts per nine ranked first out of those 56 qualifiers. Uh, along with that, his seven-start span had the highest strikeout rate in a seven-game span with 100-plus batters faced in Padres history. Wow. And uh, shout-out to uh, Thomas Harrigan of MLB.com, who in September, he noted that uh, Snell basically abandoned his changeup. Uh, he went from using it 14.3% of the time to less than 1% of the time uh, in that, uh, that seven-game stretch. In that seven game stretch. Um, hitters were, hitting, were slugging 6.10 off of that changeup, so he abandoned it, stuck to you know fastball, curveball, slider, um, and was excelling, had almost 14 strikeouts per nine, which is pretty crazy. Uh, who is your player to watch from the Friars? Yeah, my player to watch is, uh, just just to clarify, this is the Padres. This is the Padres. My player to watch is Luis Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> because that needs a ton of clarification. Yes. Um, last year, at the age of 34, he underwent a major uptick in velocity. His average pitch speed was 93.6 miles an hour after being 91.5 miles an hour in 2020 and never having been more than 92.9 miles per hour in his career. At age 34, he raised his average velocity by almost a full mile per hour. Uh, He also had a career high in spin rate, which peaked in the month of July. Very important detail. It peaked in July. Peaked in in the month of July. Yes, as in the month where the ban was instituted. Yeah. Fully. Yes. So you can't be like, oh, career high in spin rate. I wonder why. Nope. Yeah. It peaked in July. Also, he had a 1.74 K to walk ratio entering 2021, and he put together a 4.25 K to walk ratio last year, which is a dramatic increase. In fact, it was the same uh, K to walk ratio as Josh Hader. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, uh, okay, I, I figured, oh, wait, uh, your, your question's first. Anyway, Luis Garcia, uh, the Padres need a lot of help. They need some veteran presence. And Luis Garcia had a breakout season last year at the age of 34 that went completely under the radar. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because when you think, oh, we had a random resurgence here on the Cardinals, it's obviously because he played behind the Cardinals defense. But the biggest thing was K-to-walk ratio, which doesn't have anything to do with the infield defense. Exactly. Or the defense in general. Maybe it does have a lot to do with Yadier Molina calling a game, but um, I still think it's encouraging. Very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with that uptick in velocity and spin rate that yes. was not influenced by foreign substances. Uh, my question, um, who has the better potential bounce-back season 
There's a lot of options here, but I'm going with two. Okay. Blake Snell or you Darvish? Mm. Blake Snell or you Darvish? I think Snell just because, like, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to say Darvish because we've seen him in this situation before. Like, Darvish struggled early with the Cubs, and then he got it back together. Like, maybe it's just a thing where he's kind of just, like, he struggles in new environments, and then he builds himself back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we saw it in Chicago. He struggled for the last first couple of years of that big contract that he got. Um, and then in 2020, he was a Cy Young finalist. Yeah. So I'm going to go with you, Darvish. Uh, my question, who is your resurgence candidate on this team? <laughs> because that's really the only question that can truly be asked. Yeah, there's just a lot of options. Like uh, I gave you the free range to take anyone. I'd say avoid taking Blake Snell. Yeah. Just because. Yeah, you can go Darvish Snell. You could go. Uh, um, you could go like Trent Grisham, a little bit. Yes. See, um, at a miserable stretch in yeah. mid September. You could go Eric Hosmer, which I won't go with. Um, you can't go Cronenworth. He actually had a very good year throughout. Yeah. Um, Probably can't go Machado either. Yeah, I can't go Machado. Can't go Fam because he's off the team. Yeah, I can't go. Will Myers. Yeah, there's Will Myers uh, potentially. Who, who are some other pitchers? Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock is a good one. Um, um, Kirby Yates is off the team. <laughs> he's been off the team. Yeah. He's uh, going to bounce back from 2020. Um, Hassan Kim, Austin Nola. Yeah, I'll say uh, I'll say Trent Grisham. Okay. Also, uh, Denelson Lamette. Oh yeah, he was mm. hurt though. He wasn't like bad. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He was like even when he was pitching, he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll say Trent Grisham. Okay. Because uh, I had a little bit of an I had a small obsession with him like at the <laughs> beginning of last year. And yes, you did. I hope to continue that. So, because yes. uh, yeah, there was like, yeah, there was, I think. There's this just just this like from start of 2020 to like May ish mm-hmm. area where like the only outfielders ahead of him in F war were like Acuna, Soto, and Betts. <laughs> That's <laughs> and pretty cool. Th- and I was like, oh well, you know, Trent Grisham, he's great. And then and then yeah, he had that horrible stretch, which was highlighted on slightly alarming. I can't believe this team finished under 500 last year. Yeah, me that neither. makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> and also, the the Rockies had a better record than them from May first on. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, on to a couple teams that uh, did not finish under five hundred. Did not finish under five hundred. <laughs> finished well above five hundred. In fact, uh, we'll start off with the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, who went a hundred six and fifty six and finished second in the NL West. <laughs> It's just a funny <laughs> sentence, right? It was, yeah, it was, I think it was the best record by a wildcard team in the wildcard era. So I don't even think you have to look that up. I yeah. think it's common sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, they beat the Cardinals in the NL wildcard game. They beat the Giants in the NLDS in five games and lost to the Braves in the NLCS in six games. Uh, over the offseason, they lost uh, Max Scherzer, Corey Seager, Kenley Jansen, Corey Knable. Joe Kelly and Albert Pujols, and they added Freddie Freeman, Daniel Hudson, and Tyler Anderson. Um, Someone's got to sign Albert Pujols. He's so close to 700 home runs. True. I think yeah. he's like, what does he have? Or I don't, I don't know. I think he's like, I think he has like 679. Yeah, I don't know if he can get there. If I'm, he could. If I'm honest. 
672. Oh, that's not great. Yeah. Still. Uh, so, you know, someone he, sign him. He passed Maze, so. <laughs> he passed Maze. Haven't passed A-Rod. <laughs> oh, wow. It's Shout out to Lupo and Nick Storlazzi. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Nick Storlazzi on Birthplace Studios. Yeah, you can. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, uh, who is your player to watch on the Los Angeles Dodgers? My well, this is this is always a really hard team to t- it do is. this with because yes. every it's like we always try to go under the radar that doesn't exist if yes. you're on the Dodgers. <laughs> uh, so I decided to take a well-known player and take a different angle on him. I'm talking about Justin Turner. Nice. Uh, everyone knows him. He's the guy with the big red beard. He's the guy who looks like Santa Claus, uh, and he's been producing for them since 2014. He is one of two Dodgers players of all time with a 130 OPS plus and 3500 plus plate appearances with the team. The other one is Pedro Guerrero. As of right now, he is one of 60 players to have 8 seasons with 120 OPS plus from age 29 on. I have to use minimum 175 plate appearances because thanks 2020. Uh, I mentioned he has eight seasons with that. He has played eight seasons since age 29 with those stats every single time. Last year, he set a career high in exit velocity with 90.9 miles an hour, and he set a career high in launch angle uh, in 19.2. So uh, he's proven that he can still he still has a lot left in the tank. Uh, he's hit, he hit the ball last year harder than ever, um, so he's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm checking, I'm actually just checking to make sure my, um, is my guy still injured? (laughs) Um, who knows, but I'm just going to talk about him. You know, he'll probably be on the team at some point in the, during the year, definitely later on in the year, I would hope. But, uh, my player to watch. Is it an upstate New York legend? Um... Is he? I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this guy, uh, they signed to a two-year deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. They signed to a two-year deal before the 2021 season, knowing that he wasn't going to pitch in 2021 because of Tommy John surgery. Speaking of Tommy John. Um. Speaking of Tommy John. Tommy. Uh, oh John. yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking of Tommy's, uh, yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's Dustin May. It's <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the losses of Kenley Jansen, Corey Knable, Joe Kelly, Dodgers are going to need some more bullpen help. And where are they going to get it? They're going to get it from this guy they signed to a two-year deal, uh, knowing he wasn't going to pitch the first year, Tommy Canely. Uh, so in his last full season, which was 2019, uh, he had a 3.67 ERA, 3.14 expected ERA, and a strikeout rate of 35.5%. Nice. His strikeout rate and whiff rate were in the 96th percentile, and his expected ERA was in the 89th percentile. So this is a guy who, sorry to go full Collinsworth there, but Tommy Canely, he's someone who, you know, uh, he had some, he's had some significant success in previous bullpens. You know, sure, he hasn't pitched in a little bit, but, uh, you know, coming off Tommy John surgery, if he recovers well enough, he'll probably get some consistent innings, especially later in the year for the Dodgers. And, you know, he's someone where, you know, this is another guy who, you know, come time, come time, it's like game four for the Dodgers and they're trying to do a bull, bullpen game. You know, mm-hmm. Tommy Canley is going to be given some quality innings for the Dodgers um, when that comes around, if he if he's able to stay healthy after, uh, after his Tommy John surgery. So 
he had his Tommy John in August of 2020, yeah. which means like it was a pretty long while ago. Usually it takes like a calendar year to uh, start like getting ready. Yeah. Uh, to pitch again. He actually had, I, I'm just checking it right now. He threw his first live VP session today. Oh, so that's encouraging. Timely. Yeah. Very timely. Um, apparently he's not going to be ready for opening day. I don't, I, I don't blame him. Uh, yeah. but I think we can and start seeing him pretty soon. Like at least by May. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter if he's mm-hmm. ready by opening day. Like this is a guy who, dang, it's, this is someone who is, uh, you know, he's, he's, his you're you're gonna notice him more probably when it comes playoff time yep. when the when the bullpen uh is is emphasized more. That's right. Um. All right. Question time. So my question. Uh, there are a lot of fantastic players on this team, particularly on offense. Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy. The list goes on. Who leads this team in F war? Who leads this team in F war? Um. Good that you put F war because Will Smith is. <laughs> considered much higher with that yes uh yeah it's it's tough because yeah there's there's great offensive players there's also a, a surplus of great defensive players on the team um so you know maybe maybe a guy like max muncie is going to have a great offensive year but maybe a guy like mookie betts beats him in f4 because of uh because of his defense um and yeah freddie freeman he's always been consistently like a five win guy uh, Mookie Betts can be like he's always at least like four wins above replacement, and none of those guys are the guy that the Dodgers had that led the league in F four last year. Yeah, and then you got Trey Turner, who you know led the, led the league in F four last year, um, and he's heading into a contract year. I feel like I've heard no nothing about an extension with him, which is we well. I, I've yeah. heard nothing about an extension with like anybody. <laughs> I know, like. I think uh, Robert Murray tweeted today that the Diamondbacks are working on one with Cattell Marte. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> Good for him. Interesting. <laughs> Not that that really matters that much. That, yeah. Like, Turner and Judge are the two guys who need to be extended. Or mm-hmm. It's more necessary for the Yankees to yes. sign Judge than the Dodgers sign uh, Turner, but... Cause the Dodgers still have options if Turner goes. Yeah. Like, they have Gavin Lux... They have Chris Taylor, right? They have so many people. Um, hmm. Yeah, Turner's been Zach McKinstry. Turner's been great over the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine him, you know, leading the team in F four this Pages. year. But um, I'm gonna say uh, Mookie Betts does it because I think yeah. people kind of forgot how good he was, and he does ha- kind of have this low-key like every other year thing yeah like 2018 mvp 2020 runner-up for mvp 2016 runner-up for mvp 2016 runner-up for mvp so you know based on chance i guess i'll go with mookie Betts. fair enough um my question uh my my question's uh probably my most like pretty subjective one um hear me out (laughs) what percentage chance do you give that we will be saying Will Smith is the best catcher in baseball by the end of the season. Ooh, what percent chance? Um, I already I have been saying for years that he's the best offensive catcher. Um, I think Yasmani Grandal is really the only person that can that can compete. Yeah. Um, best catcher in baseball. Period. Buster Posey's out of the league now. Yeah. Um, that's pretty significant. You got Real Muto in the way. Real Muto, Grandal, 
Maybe Mitch Garver has a resurgence in Texas. Maybe Gary Sanchez has a resurgence in Texas. And you got a guy who hit the most home runs by a catcher ever. <laughs> I'm not, I forgot about him. You got Dalton Varsho. You got Isaiah Connor Falefa. Yeah. You know what? Maybe Shoyo Tani plays catcher. I mean, what can't that guy do? Yeah. Rock hold. <laughs> Rock hold. Um, the percent chance, I'm going to say, just because there's a lot of people in the way, I'm going to say like 25%. 25%. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I'll, I, can, uh, I can respect that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and now on to the last team of the episode. Yes. The defending National League West champion, San Francisco Giants, who went 107 and 55, won the National League West and lost to the Dodgers in the NLDS in five games last year. Over the offseason, they lost Kevin Gossman, Buster Posey, Chris Bryant, uh, Johnny Cueto, Tony Watson, and Alex Dickerson. They added Carlos Rodon, Alex Cobb, Jock Peterson, Matthew Boyd, and Jacob Junis. Um, and my player to watch. From the Giants is a guy who's been kind of quietly producing, maybe not like quietly for the Giants. Like if you're a Giants fan, you probably kind of know that this guy's producing. But from a from a general league perspective, he's kind of been going under the radar because he doesn't. He also doesn't play every day. But uh, Darren Ruff. Yep. Uh, overall, since the start of 2020, he has a 900 OPS and 412 plate appearances. Uh, in 2021. He had a 1,007 OPS against lefties. And out of the 149 batters to have 140-plus plate appearances against lefties last year, Ruff ranked second out of those 149 in on-base percentage and fourth in OPS. Uh, So, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's exactly what you want out of a platoon righty first baseman. Like, he is prototypical... Like, also had the is, most random is, resurgence ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever they got in the water in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> I remember uh, opening day 2020 when you were at my house. He was in the lineup on opening day against the Dodgers, and I was like, man, the Giants are really they're really <laughs> down bad. They got Darren Ruff out there. <laughs> um, now, he's, now he's the best player like possibly on their team, on like just from an offensive standpoint. Um, I was looking at pitch arsenal stats earlier. I'm pretty sure he's like the best hitter in the league against sinkers. When I was looking at Connor Joe. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to make sure I can find. Oh, and imagine you're a lefty who throws a sinker. You're screwed. <laughs> screwed. Yeah, sorry, Zach Britton. Yeah, you can't, you can get anyone out, but not this guy. Oh, AJ Puck for Puck against Darren Ruff Dude. for the Battle of the Ages. <laughs> battle of the Bay. <laughs> um, what do you want? It. Some people at All Star Weekend want like. Uh, <laughs> They want, yep. uh, they want like target practice. We want <laughs> Darren Ruff versus AJ Puck. So Darren Ruff had forty-five plate appearances against sinkers. He slugged nine twenty-one. <laughs> That's a really good OPS. That was his slugging percentage. He he, he batted four seventy-four. Uh, he still had an expected slugging of eight fifty. That's insane. Which is amazing. Um, he just slammed sinkers. Yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so. Uh, Scouting report: Don't throw this guy a sinker. You won't get a ground ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, yeah, he's gonna get an extra base hit. <laughs> he's gonna uh, lift it. Um, all right. Uh, and your player to watch. My player to watch is a guy that isn't necessarily under the radar. He's been there a while, but I think people don't realize how good he truly is. Brandon Belt. Yeah. Uh, is a really the other side of the platoon. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, when when your guy's not playing first base, my guy, well, now it doesn't matter because there's a DH, but yeah. now we can get them both in the lineup. Since August 16th of 2020, very random day, but it has a lot of significance because I remember tweeting about that specific day when he was a how about that in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, rec- I uh, talked about it in an article last year about launch angle. Anyway, since August 16th of 2020, there are 645 players with at least 40 plate appearances. Do you want to know how many of them have a better weighted runs created plus than Brandon Belt? Um, there are... Uh, 645 players. There are 645 players. With at least 40 plate appearances. 40 plate appearances. So Brandon Belt had 516. Um, well, I know he had a 975 OPS last year. Um, I'm going to say... Zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is right. He leads the 645 players in weighted runs created plus with 174 since August 16th of 2020. In that time, he slashed 299, 407, 628, 1035 overall. He was one of five players in 2021 to be in the top 25 percentile in barrel rate, chase rate, and outs above average. So that's three completely different components of baseball. One of them is strictly defense. One of them is, you know, how well you're squaring up the ball at the optimal angle. One of them is how good your eye is. Uh, he was one of five players to be in the top 25 percentile. The other four were Juan Soto, Matt Chapman, Joey Gallo, and Max Muncy. So Brandon Belt, he is an elite player on all fronts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, he's a, he's a giant lifer and uh, mm-hmm. just continuing Continuing to produce, yeah. despite being uh, approaching his mid-30s. Um, my question uh, does involve Brandon Belt, because um, cool. also it, it, this kind of goes with a the theme of like guys in their early to mid-30s. I should mention, Brandon Belt like took the qualifying offer. His 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 contract is one year, $18.5 million. Right, like, right. He could have gotten a lot. I feel like he should have gotten a lot more. But good for the Giants for keeping him. Yeah, it must have must have just been like um, he was hurt. The fact that yeah he he played ninety seven games, didn't get as many plate appearances. Yeah, but my question is, of Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, and Evan Longoria, who will be able to be closest to their twenty twenty one success? Ooh, Brandon Crawford got first place MVP votes. Granted, yes. they were from two San Francisco writers, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yes, they uh, were. So take that with a huge grain of salt. <laughs> um, Evan Longoria, when he was healthy, he was a very strong player. Brandon Bell, one of the best hitters in the league. I'm going to say Crawford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I think he has the highest, I think he set the highest bar out of the three, but I mean, like, he had a huge resurgence last year. The Giants got something going on over there. Um, they had, yeah. they found the fountain of youth in San Francisco. It it is a country it's at, for old men. <laughs> yeah, sad Alcatraz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna say Brendan Crawford for that answer. My question: Buy or sell Logan Webb as a Cy Young finalist? Cy Young finalist. He finishes top three. Top three. Um, it's interesting because there are a lot of good, especially at the NL. Maybe if he was in the AL, I would I would um really really consider it. But NL, there's so many good candidates. You yeah. have, you know, DeGrom, Scherzer, uh, Burns, Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Um, even like even guys like uh, you know who else you got? Logan Webb. You got you, you got Logan Webb. Yeah. Logan Webb. Yeah. I I was looking at his he's, stats. He's he had, that dude. 
He had a 272 FIP last season. And I don't know. There's something the 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 uh, contrarian in myself loves to go against guys with like a lot of momentum heading into the season, <laughs> which like because because it's like you know I do want to see him kind of become a, a Cy Young finalist. He's you know he's a he is that guy as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has like a negative launch angle <laughs> against, um, hmm. or at least close yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt behind him, who are top defenders. Yeah, and he absolutely just, as I mentioned, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, just undressed the Dodgers lineup twice yep. in the postseason. Um, and he's going to lead that Giants rotation. He th- I think he'll eat up a lot of innings, and, uh, yeah, he'll be a Cy Young finalist. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he absolutely buy- will. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> whatever, fine. Whatever world. Um so yeah, good way to good way to wrap up the episode <laughs> with my enthusiasm. Yeah. We started like, this episode at eleven, it is now nine oh four. Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, quite a bit of uh of action in the day. Yeah, we had to cut out so much of this show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of editing. Lots of <laughs> editing going on. Um well uh yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. Another long one, making up for the uh, lack of activity in the in the during the lockout. Mm-hmm. Um, but another long long one for everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next week, whenever that may be where we're talking, where we're going to be previewing the American League and National League East Divisions. Mm -hmm. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.